Okay, it's my I- right. iPad actually. Hey, hello, hello, hello. So today is what <laughs> episode one seventy six with the great Zuby in town. I can't even say from where. It's just you're in town because who knows where you live nowadays, right? You're traveling all over the world. Yeah, man, I'm doing the nomadic thing. So from the UK, from the UK via Saudi Arabia via Nigeria. But um, I've just been on the road now for the past 15, 16 months. And how do you like that? It makes sense for now. It's not it's not a forever thing. But the thing is, even if I had a house or an apartment, I'd virtually never be there. So You would virtually never be there? I'd essentially never be there. No, I'd literally just, never I, be I, there. I, You're I, getting I barely, dudes I, on the run. I'd barely <laughs> ever be there, yeah, because I'm just doing events and speaking and performing and just, just doing stuff all over the place. I love it. I mean, if, if it's like a... Uh, it's a good life for a bachelor. Hard when you get married with kids. It's going to be challenging to say, hey, kids. So where do we live, Daddy? Nowhere. We're just everywhere. <laughs> in a van you know, down by the river. Find the nearest hotel. Well, That's like where you, we're living tonight. You always tell the story about when you took the road trip for yeah. how long? A RV month 30 on a bus. Days. Yeah. yeah. And you had kids and you were married at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was married and we had two kids. Now you got uh, four. Tico and Dylan. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I think Dylan was just born when we went on the RV tour. And uh, not, was he? Yeah, something like that. No, he was a year old or something. But we went all over the place with the RV mm-hmm. and had a great time. But I slept in the same bed pretty much every night in that RV. In the RV. Yeah. Zuby just uh, said that he hasn't stayed in the same place for more than, what, two weeks? Yeah, two, three, three weeks. weeks. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, look, I know that the world's been in a weird place for the past two and a half years. Stuff, is, stuff has been more, in most places, more normal uh, over the last six months. But I had no idea where stuff was going to go. So for a whole host of different reasons. I mean, I think long term, I never planned to live in the UK long term anyway. I still don't I still don't actually know where I'm going to live long term. It might end up being multiple places, but I knew it wasn't going to be the UK. And then when stuff just started going going nuts over there last year, that was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was just like, you know what, for my own for my own protection as well, mm-hmm. I need to get out of this country. And uh, the, the flexibility is it's for a lot of reasons. It's for career reasons. But also it's just like I, I like knowing, OK, if stuff hits the fan anywhere, yeah. I can just be out. I can just be gone. Um, I don't feel firmly rooted somewhere because to me, that's like an anchor. I don't even own a lot of possessions like I, I don't own much. Um, mm-hmm. I can have it'll change when you get married. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure it will. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm also hyper aware that that's on that's in the cards for the future yeah mm-hmm. so i'm like okay right now i'm at this very unique time in my life right now where i can do this i've got the financial freedom to do it i have the career freedom to do it i have no dependence right now now's the time you know the world yeah. is weird stuff is chopping and changing and yeah. very unpredictable now's the time to do this let Why me not? uh let me add on to that because you, you hit the nail on the head you said flexibility i talk about this all the time especially if you're not married and don't have kids i know you guys are married and have kids so it's going to be a lot harder for you but i talk about having low overhead and high flexibility key to life these days mm. things are moving so fast especially with covid lockdowns you don't know where you're yeah. moving you don't know where you're going if you don't have those dependents that you have to actually pay for and they rely upon you why wouldn't you just kind of keep your head on a swivel and keep it moving and yeah. pursue the best possible opportunity? It sounds yeah. exactly and what it's, you're doing. And bro. it's fun. It's fun too. I mean, it's cool just to be, I mean, in two, you know, two weeks from now, I, I, can, I can just be, you know what? I just, let me just go to this place. Let me mm-hmm. just go. There. I went to Mexico city um, a couple months ago, just on a whim. I went to Antalya, Turkey, spent some time in Dubai. Um, How old are you? 
I'm 35. 35. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually be 36 in a few you weeks. You but, so the plans are eventually to get married. Like, oh, for sure. Unlike Adam, you, you do plan on one yeah, day. 100%, okay. no doubt. Uh, we are, yeah. We're on the same picture. <laughs> yeah. We would like to get married. You know what's crazy? I was watching uh, a video clip popped up today of uh, Jordan Peterson, and he says, mm-hmm. man is selfish until he has kids. Because mm-hmm. you don't know what life is like until you have kids and you're thinking about somebody else where you're willing to die or live for that other human being. Mm-hmm. And I sat there, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, let's sure. see if there's credibility to this. You know, because a lot of times married people want to sell singles to be married. Divorced people want to sell married people to be divorced. Mm-hmm. Single people want to sell married people on being single. <laughs> you know, people with kids want to sell people on having kids. People with no kids want to sell people on not having kids. Everybody yeah. is, you know, everybody's You want to indoctrinate others to your yeah, worldview. That's, that's right. Of course, it, you're not going to push them away. But, you're going to bring but, them closer. If you, but if you really think about it, like, you know, the, the argument of kids, no kids, does having kids really change your life in a dramatic way? Like if I, right now while we're doing a podcast, you saw my boys were here and mm-hmm. they're upstairs, they're taking a Udemy class, uh, nine hours on how to uh, do a Final Cut Pro. Awesome. Okay. And that's kind of what they're going through right now. But uh, 2011, I had, the last time I had no kids was 2011. And how life was wired then versus today lot more freedom. You can do a lot more things. Uh, uh, two things that kind of uh, uh, locks you down. One is starting a new business mm-hmm. where you have to show up on a daily basis. And two is when you have kids. Mm-hmm. Those two things. And let me tell you, it is not, uh, uh, it's, it's responsibility at the highest level. But today's argument is also, do you really want to have kids in today's uh, climate? Do you really want to have kids with yes. what's going on today? Yes. So th- that's, the, that's the challenge. If mm-hmm. you're somebody, I feel, this morning I was listening to a, uh, uh, a cappella song that just totally messed me up. Okay, mm-hmm. and I listened to it fifty times all morning. I've been listening. Matter of fact, I had him listen yeah, to it. I had I'm crying. Tyler over here. He's to crying. It. The <laughs> camera guy's so, crying. This popped up this morning, and it's a song by Imagine Dragons, "Bad Liar," and it's a buck twenty six, minute twenty six, on YouTube or Instagram. And then I'm listening to this song, and then I go play it for Dylan, and I tell Dylan, I said, Dylan, you know, there are certain gifts God gives you that's not yours. It's the world. This is what he mean. Mm-hmm. I said, if you got a great voice, you got to share it with the world. You can't just keep it to yourself. Yes. You got to share it with the world. If you are somebody that's a leader and somebody that's got strong values and principles, we probably need more men like you to raise kids because you would raise better kids in a society like this where not only the, would the world benefit from it, your last name would benefit from it. Your heritage would benefit from it. Mm-hmm. They're just that's the processing for me with kids. Yeah. There are certain men that I'll say, "Dude, don't have kids. Take, just, like, <laughs> just go ahead, bro. Stay single the rest of your life." Yeah. But certain people, you're like, "Look, those values being duplicated amongst one, two, three, four other people. I wonder what the world would be with you mm-hmm. having more kids." So, anyway, and I sometimes agree. the uh, sometimes the wrong people are having too many kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a whole nother issue. That's a whole nother issue, exactly. Anyways, let's go into the topic because it's good to have a Zuby here. Uh, we got a lot of topics to cover today. Uh, it's myself, Adam, Zuby, and uh, Tom also here on. So, Tom, say hello to everybody. I'm sorry, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton is in the house. Introduce yourself. That's how Tom Zuby introduced didn't himself. Believe that for a second. <laughs> to Zuby. Like, yeah, okay, Lewis. But I Zuby. have deep respect. Keep it moving, Zuby. I have deep respect for the newest minority owner of the Denver Broncos. And is that Lewis Hamilton? Lewis Hamilton okay. is in the uh, ownership group Fantastic. of the American football team. I love it. Okay, let's go through some of these things here. First of all, big news. 
concerning news, U.S. sanctions Putin's reputed girlfriend. Okay, we're going to have to talk about that. Uh, yes, China would go to war over Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Gallup surprise, Supreme Court approval ticks up after end of Rove. Deep mistrust has developed between White House and Zelensky. It's an interesting story. California to fund heroin injection sites in L.A., Oakland, and San Francisco. Pelosi says U.S. will not abandon Taiwan as China plans military drills. Americans are pulling up credit card debt as they struggle to keep up with the high cost of living. U.S. household debt surpasses $16 trillion on higher mortgages. Michael Saylor, we had on the podcast a couple months ago, steps down at MicroStrategy CEO uh, after they take a $917 million charge on Bitcoin. That's a Yahoo Finance story. Robinhood lays off 23% of their staff as retail investors fade from platform. Reality Bytes... uh, Coddle tech staffer work, uh, working harder is job number one. CNN's having a hard time. They lost substantial sum of money as ratings plummet. Geico closes all California offices, lays off workers. Forbes set to explore sale. Adam, $630 million. Let's if you can come up thing. with that, let's, let's do, do something. Jared Kushner <laughs> claims Donald Trump tried intimidating him by saying that Tom Brady was also interested in Ivanka. Which I love Such that story. A salesman, I mean, you got to Equifax sent no, lenders. We'll get to the story. Inaccurate credit score. It was a negotiation on millions of consumers, and then Tiger Woods turns down seven, eight hundred million dollars uh, offer from Live. Which is, uh, can you imagine being in a situation where you can turn down? You know what? I'm good. I, I won't take that seven, eight hundred million dollars. We'll get into that mm-hmm. as well. But let's talk about consumer debt, Tom. Americans are piling up credit card debt as they struggle to keep up with the high cost of living. So let's see what these numbers look like. Uh, pa, 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 pa. There we go. U.S. household debt increased by uh, 2%. No, that's not the one. American, okay, there it is. U.S. household debt surpassed $16 trillion for the first time ever during the second quarter. The New York Federal Reserve said Tuesday, even as borrowing costs surged, the New York Fed said credit card balance increased by $46 billion last quarter. Over the past year, credit card debt has jumped by $100 billion or, or uh, 13%, the biggest percentage increase in more than 20 years. Credit cards typically charge high interest rates when balances aren't fully paid off, making this an expensive form of debt. High inflation is also making it more expensive to carry a debt credit card balance because the Federal Reserve is aggressively raising borrowing costs. Tom, what is really happening here with debt? Well, the, the, the big headline on $16 trillion of total household debt, what you have to do is back off mortgages a little bit. And here's a quick little case study for people. Whenever you look at mortgage debt, you hear the word debt and mortgage. If housing prices are higher and people put 20% down, then the mortgage will be higher. But these could be mortgages are perfectly good and people are paying their payments and everything, but the mortgage debt number will be higher. What really jumped out to me was the credit card debt. That 13% increase is the largest increase in credit card debt over a one-year period in 22 years. That's huge. The other side of it is, is right now delinquency only ticked up a half a percent. So delinquency on credit cards was up, but it's only a half a percent. It's up very little. It reminds me, and we've mentioned this in the last couple of podcasts, the movie The Big Short, mm-hmm. how things were moving slowly and then they suddenly popped. I think the big thing to look at right now is delinquency because you also look at that. Uh, I was looking at a, a credit card stat site. I'm not going to say who because they, they kind of disagreed two other statistics, but I think 
that this one was right. And they were saying that right now, if credit card debt for the individual goes up another 17 to 20%, you're going to start to see delinquency because it's at the max point that they've been looking on the ability to make that's, minimum payments. That's a payments. good stat to know. Like, I would want to know how much, you know how you have like a $10,000 credit card limit, but you're at $7,500? But maybe you can make the payment just fine. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is I wonder if there's a way to figure out how much total credit card debt uh, is out there and what the limit is. Like, let's just say, you know how it says $16 trillion or whatever the number is, $16 trillion. That's total, that? total, 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 all debt combined. $16 trillion. Is that credit card debt? Every, no, 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 no. That's, That's how All debt. Okay. That's how so, of the Of that $16 trillion, to Tom's point, 10 of it is mortgages. So do, do some basic math. What's 10 out of 16? Well, what then you're going to have st 60%? student loan. You're going to have some other stuff. No, yeah, of course. Uh, well... All I'm talk, saying is, yeah. I want to know how much, how like, where are we at? Are we at seventy percent? Are we at eighty percent? Are we you're at ninety percent? Credit card limit. Yeah. So if your limit is ten k, mm -hmm. if your debt in it is seven thousand, that's seventy percent, right. right? I wonder where we're at, because as that gets higher and higher, the other thing that happens is, you know, you, like the whole thing with quantitative tightening, mm -hmm. credit card companies are going to start also lowering their limit for people. That's, that's absolutely correct. Right now, if delinquency goes up one full percentage point, went up a half a point, but if it goes up one full percentage point in a quarter, the credit card companies go to the lower um, credit score people, and they will lower that number by 10%. So if you had a $30,000 credit card, it's going to drop down. You're going to get a statement that says your credit limit is now 27000 So they lower it 10%. So as soon as you see delinquency go up by 1% in one month, credit card companies are going to quickly flip the knob over to prevent people from borrowing past the last 10% for the lower half of people holding credit cards. There's the answer to your question. So we are very, 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 very close to that point. Mm -hmm. Another 15, 20 points of personal credit card debt. So if you have 8,000 debt in your house, another 20 points is 9,600 bucks. You're not too far away. And what if you've got energy prices, you're doing three, 400 a month, you're only three to four months from that creeping up simply because of inflation cost of living. And at that point, their delinquency rate would go up, credit card companies are going to turn down. So I think we're I think we're less than a quarter away from starting to see those stats on consumer spending because it's all right here. Mm -hmm. I'll put it in basic terms. I have with my brother in the car, we bonk the car, you know, uh, on the side of the garage and we screwed up the front fender. My mom is upset, but my dad's not home yet. But 3 hours from now, life's going to get real for my brother and I. Got and it. I think that's the kind of thing that's going so it's on right now. Five o'clock. Yeah, it's five o'clock, and when Dad, Dad walks comes in at eight o'clock, and when Dad walks in at seven thirty, Mom's pissed. The car's messed up. My brother and I are sitting quietly at the kitchen table. Life gets real. You mm -hmm. you, you think that's really where we are right now? So, Zuby, you're traveling all over the place. Yeah. What do you what are you hearing people saying about debt and the current financial situation? Not a lot. I'm not having a lot of conversations about it, to be honest. Um, what I was just thinking, I mean, th these numbers are pretty mind-blowing. One thing that's always perplexed me about the USA as a non-American is the is the way ev the obsession with credit. I find it really weird. Like I've never even owned a credit card before, <laughs> um, and I, I don't I don't even understand the purpose of them. And to some people, that even sounds weird. But just like the obsession, Dave with, like, Ramsey credit. will appreciate what you're saying. Yeah, right now. but just like the obsession with credit. You've like, never owned a credit card. No, I don't. Even, why would I? I don't see the point. <laughs> I have cash. Um, 
like, but everything in the U.S. runs on debt. Everything's debt and credit, and it's. I, I think maybe people here think it's normal, but it's it's not a global it's not a global norm to the degree it is here. There's so many people stack up credit cards. There's this obsession with with credit scores, and yeah, know, like I don't even you don't even hear about credit scores in the U.S. Can you pull up while he's doing yeah. that? And Adam responds. Can point. you pull up the top USA credit card debt by country? Go yeah. ahead. I, I I totally appreciate what you're saying I'll, with I'll that. Go I'll, ahead. I'll tell you something else, else interesting here is um, even with like cars and stuff. Like the like people talk about cars not in terms of what they cost, but in terms of what the monthly payment is. Hundred percent. And right. that's so weird. I've never been to any other country where people yep. even talk like that. You'll just say, Okay, like how much does a car cost? If you can afford the car, you can afford it. If you can't, it's not can you afford the monthly payment? Yeah. It's can you afford the car? So I don't know what the stat okay. Oh, those are the stats. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> well, in Muslim countries, there's a cultural thing about debt in general. Oh, it's not yeah, and you're not allowed to charge interest, right? Correct. In Islamic banking, there's no... So but but take a look afford, at this. So here's, here's how we look. the car you buy. It. Can't yeah. afford your weight. So USA okay. average credit card debt is 5331 mm -hmm. Second is Canada. Third is UK. Mm. Then it's Japan, Germany, China, France, Italy, Brazil, India. I just pulled up a stat here as well. Card ownership. Of the 2.8 billion credit cards worldwide, 1.1 billion is in US. Yep. And there's 330 people here. Say those numbers. And there, okay, of the of the all two point, there's 2.8 billion credit cards worldwide. 1.1 billion of those credit cards are in the U.S., what which is that, means 40 percent. What is that? 40 percent of the that's like uh, to 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 match it with population. If the mm -hmm. world population is 8 billion, mm -hmm. we would need to be at 3.2 billion. So we have. 10 times the amount of right. credit cards mm -hmm. that we ought to have. Mm -hmm. because yeah, So that's an interesting point about how America is a credit economy. Yeah. That's four cards per person. If you take 1.1 billion cards mm -hmm. and you take 330, 340 million people in the U.S. and you take away the kids and mm -hmm. you take away the highly elderly. So those people in the middle probably have about four cards each. Yeah. It's weird. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. There's there are a lot of things that are <laughs> that are unique to the USA yeah. that I think a lot of Americans don't realize and perhaps think are are just international things. But when you come in as an outsider, you notice them and you're like, mm -hmm. huh, that's weird. Why is it? Why is it like that? Another big one here is uh, pharmaceuticals. Good grief, pharmaceuticals like the amount of drugs consumed in this country. Mm -hmm. um, is astonishing. I mean, yeah. I think the USA has what four percent of the world's population, four percent, and consumes, I believe, ninety percent of the opioids, and something like seventy percent, I believe. You can, you can check that. Something like seventy percent of the overall total pharmaceuticals. Why do you think that is? <sighs> big I mean, pharma. Big pharma. I mean, there it is. Big but no, but, oh, but actually, go and see. Oh, why do you think oh, that? Oh, is? oh you're here's, talking about here's a big one. Here's a big one. Um, there's only two countries, I believe, in the entire world where it's even legal to advertise uh, prescription pharmaceuticals on TV and in magazines and so on, the USA and New Zealand. So all these ads you see, like if you're mm -hmm. all these ads, every time I'm looking at the screen is these pharmaceutical ads, you know, ask your doctor about that's not even illegal. That's not even legal in most of the world. So it's completely mm. illegal across Europe. It's illegal across Asia. It's illegal in Africa. Um, and here it's cons it's something like. 60 to 70 percent of the tv advertising revenue and so that's a massive factor so there's a huge incentive for drugs to be pushed whether this is even even on children which is really concerning right whether that's all of these the amount of kids that are drugged up here is is it's crazy mm -hmm. it's crazy it's, it's not it's not normal at all um and it's, i think it's, it's probably a relatively newish problem in the last few decades i don't think it used to be like that
Well, well I mean, if you pull up opioid. opioids death, you'll see it. It is, a, it is right. a decade. I don't even think it's two decades. I think it's a decade that just spiked mm -hmm. up suddenly. You, you, you know what happens? It just validates that as controversial as Tom Cruise was about 10 years ago with mm -hmm. the Matt Lauer interview, he was right He's right. he was 100%. talking about Ritalin. He was right. He was right. He's sitting there saying, well, you got to take this. And you go, what are you talking about? He says, Matt, Matt, you haven't done the research. I have. Matt, you don't know what you're talking about. I do. And everyone's like, what an arrogant, so what if it's helping her out and all this stuff? And he's like, no, you're not right. Uh, oh, by the way, here's, a, here's what it shows. It says, in the EU, the number of credit cards carried per person is 0.8. And not even one per person. U.S. is four. Which is like a debit card for your bank, just a bank transfer card. That's all you have. Yeah, yeah. we just use debit cards. That's, yes, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then in that case, there's no there's no debt, right? I mean, at worst, someone might have an overdraft. But um, No, it's just secure transport of money. Yeah. I, don't, I genuinely don't understand the point of credit cards. I, I don't get it. I've had people try to explain it to me, and I'm like, I don't get why I'd want that. Well, why, well, well, why I will spend tell your you, own well, money if no, you can spend somebody else's but, but I will OPM? But, but, I, but I will tell you, uh, mm -hmm. uh, amongst people who, who have money, uh, 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 you know, you'll see that guys who have real, real money, they will not use a debit card. Mm -hmm. And not because they're not using a debit card because they don't have the cash. They use the kind of a credit card that you pay at the end of the month, not mm -hmm. the kind of a credit card that you're like, hey, you know, I'm going to, you know, I got, you, you pay off. You know, people have credit cards that they pay at the end of the month. Every month we have, you know, one of our credit cards, we pay, I don't know what the number is every month, four or $500,000 per month that we pay off because it's like a business credit card, but mm -hmm. we have to pay it every month. It's yeah. not rolling, right? And the reason for that is protection because you don't want your debit card number out there. That's what you don't want because mm -hmm. that can be hacked into your yeah. cash where the money's at. So that's the only argument oh, against okay. debit is to use credit that you pay at the end of the month. Mm. What you're saying is, which makes a lot of sense, is the credit card to just use and pile up the debt. I'll pay it off. I'll pay it off. I'll pay it off. And that's kind of the culture. I mean, I got mm -hmm. caught up in that in my early 20s. I was in at $49,000 and it was a mess. Mm -hmm. It took me a minute to pay that thing off. I had a choice between BK and paying it off and eventually paid it off, but it was not an easy transition to go through it. So um, can I add to this? Yeah. The um, you touched on it like I don't I don't understand the purpose of credit score. I talk about you know this all the time where I don't really I mean I have a good credit score. I'm not gonna lie, it's mm -hmm. eight hundred whatever. But it's like if I'd, I'm more concerned with my net worth yeah. than my credit score. That's yeah. what people like. You talked about the, the the problem that we're having in America is the credit score and credit cards has been gamified. Mm -hmm. I'm getting points. I'm getting miles. I get to travel. I get to travel for free. I, I uh, who is the guy? Catch me if you can. The movie that Leonardo DiCaprio played, um, I'm escaping his yeah. name, but the uh, great guy. He's basically oh, saying you Frank need... Frank Abingale. Frank Abingale, exactly. He was saying you have to have a credit card. That's the only thing to prevent fraud. If sometimes someone takes your debit card and takes you know 10 grand off of it, that's going to be a lot more difficult getting it back because that's your money versus mm -hmm. the credit card. You right. call up the credit card, you call mm -hmm. it in. So there is this thing, a thing with that. Back to the credit card situation. I don't know if you're aware of this, Tom. So I talk about the four C's of debt. Everyone has to deal with this. We've got credit cards. You've got car loans. Yep. You've got college, mm -hmm. right? Student debt. And the big one is cribs, a.k.a. mortgages. If you, obviously, if you buy your house right, you know what you're doing. But a lot of people feel like they have to buy. They buy more house than they can afford. And they get into this mortgage debt situation. It's, we've all seen the cribs on MTV. Payment-based lifestyle. <laughs> exactly. How high can I go? How much can you do? But here's the interesting thing about credit cards. Credit cards during the pandemic was the only of those four that went down. 
2.1 billion dollars of credit card debt were erased in, exactly in so people were buying days so people were buying cribs people were buying more cars we all saw that used car prices have skyrocketed when has that ever happened mm. right and then people still keep going to college but uh, credit card debt went down by 13%. Now we had, we had this big spike of up 13% because it went down because everyone's sitting at home. No one's yeah. traveling other than Zuby traveling around the world. <laughs> and everyone's just sitting at home. They're, they're getting stimulus checks. They're getting unemployment checks. They're like, all right, fuck it. I'll pay down this credit card mm -hmm, debt. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason that it's escalated. So if you look at the, to the credit card debt, want, like I think student loan debt is at 1.5 trillion. Car loans are at like 1.3 trillion. And credit cards has never even reached a trillion. I think it's like hovering between 800 and 900 billion. It goes up depending that's on that was the that's been the peak. It's been there a couple times. Exactly, I've but it hasn't hit a trillion, so it's not that big. Like the student debt issue is way worse than the credit card issue. How much is student loan debt? Total about 1.5 trillion. Okay, and then cars 1.3 trillion. Credit card. Hovering between you know seven fifty, eight fifty, nine hundred. As students so, are going back, Zuby, it's kind of interesting. In the United States, sometime next year, it will be official. Unless this economy causes people to put <laughs> their life on credit cards, what's about to happen is student loan debt is going to be two times credit card debt sometime next year. It's already close. Yeah. If that number on the screen there is right, one point seven five. Yep, I think it's even up from the last time I checked the stat. With one point five, now it's at one point seven trillion. What? This has gone up in the by, last by, six months. By the months? way, remember how earlier I said I, I wonder how much room is left in credit? Mm -hmm. So the $16.2 trillion is all mortgages, auto loans, credit card, right. all that, right? Okay. The increase in borrowing, which equals $302 billion over the last three months, reflected in higher prices for homes, cars, and aggregate. Consumers still have plenty of room to spend with another $3.33 trillion in available credit. Mm. That's a right, lot so of money. Already on okay, there. so $3.33 trillion in available credit. Since the pandemic started, about 42 million new credit card accounts have been opened, and consumers now hold more than $750 million auto loan, credit card, mortgage, and home equity line of credit. Overall, mm. consumer ages 30 to 59 have record levels of debt. There you go. It so, goes back so, to the point, so, Pat. Wait, you got to connect those two dots, Pat. I'm sorry, Zuby. Oh, no, go ahead. You have to connect the two dots. What hasn't gone up is wages. And so the delinquency rate, regardless of how high yeah. that credit ceiling is, as soon as this delinquency rate starts moving, mm -hmm. that's when we're in trouble and that ceiling's going to come down. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. Did you say there were 750 million car loans? 750 million car, mortgage, credit card. So it's oh, like total, all total, combined. Yeah, yeah. combined. So if you yeah, run yeah. a credit report and say you got a $28,000 car loan, you got a $476,000 mortgage loan, you got a $9,000 credit card debt, all of that they're counting as accounts. Yeah. 750 million mm -hmm. yeah. okay. accounts like that. I think total debt mm. per person, if you divvy it all up just using those math, I think the average American, mortgages included, owes about 50 grand or 50 grand in debt. So That's most, what it is. Do, do, do most people here have negative self net worth? Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so uh, the, the running joke, you'd say this in comedy, is like, all right, I just graduated college, and I just ran into a homeless guy on the street. He's asking me for money. It's like, <laughs> nah, buddy, I owe 100 grand in debt. You're zero. Okay? So... Who's it, worse it, off? It's, it's so confused. Like this country really confuses me in so many ways. How it's like the richest country in the world in certain aspects, but mm -hmm. then the majority of adults have a negative net worth. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't sound like the, the, those sound like contradictory. Well, statements. here's the deal: you could be smart 
and misinformed and stupid at the same time. Mm, you know, true. you it's could true. be like making a ton of money, but also <laughs> broke as shit. Yeah, it's true. That's it's America just, for just, you, baby. Welcome to America, Zuby. Yeah, <laughs> it's just really weird because you hear these stats about, I don't know what it is, like 50% of people couldn't afford a $4,000 emergency or literally some, yes. some, I, I don't want to mm-hmm. misquote the stat, but no, you're right. something like that. And then, I mean, when I just, when I'm out and about and you're just seeing all these cars on the roads and you're seeing mm-hmm. the houses and stuff, I'm like, how does that even make sense? Yeah. Like that doesn't. Well, bro, here's what I say confusing. all the time. There's a difference between poor mm. and broke. Yeah. So you said you grew up in Nigeria and then you. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, yeah. but your par- parents are from Nigeria. Nigeria okay. originally, yeah. So, but there's certain places in maybe that part of the world, third, part, third world countries that are, you're poor. Mm. Right. You don't make any money. You're relying on whatever it is a day, a dollar a day. We've seen these commercials, UNICEF, whatever. America, most Americans aren't poor. They're just broke. They yeah. make 50 grand a year mm-hmm. and they spend 55 grand a year mm-hmm. and they just make poor financial decisions. And that's why the average credit card debt, I think, is about six grand. Mm-hmm. The average student loan debt, I think, is closer to like 35 grand. So it's not a shocker that student loan debt is way higher than total credit card debt because yeah. you could rack up 50 grand student debt. No problem. But in because uh, there's not going to be no limit. I think you can go to get your master's, take out another hundred grand of debt, student loan debt. They'll ca- I'm sorry, credit card debt. They'll cap you at five, ten grand, whatever yeah. it is. The university thing is not does just strikes me as completely unsustainable. I think we're I think in our lifetime we're going to see such a huge change and revolution in higher education. I think we're still running off the fumes of previous generations where people thought and a lot of people still think, oh, you, you have to go to call. You have to get this degree to do this. You have to get that. I think like people my age and younger who are starting companies and running companies and so on, I think understand, okay, this is, this is no longer the case. I think many people in the older generation, mm-hmm. they're, cause they're still thinking, okay, when I was, when I was a teenager or I was in my early twenties, going to college was the thing it made it made sense you had mm-hmm. to do it for this and the world has changed so much and i think that it's just the cred- it's just the credential now isn't it so i think that yeah. just like you've had a revolution in so m- if you so many everything else has been disrupted but education mm-hmm. hasn't mm-hmm. everything else is I'm, I'm i'm a musician right the music industry that was one of the first right completely disrupted photography disrupted movies entertain whole entertainment industry completely disrupted so many things are chopping and changing but with education both school and especially university level it's just stagnant mm-hmm. it's gotten way more expensive why do you think and the value of it has gone down why do you think why um, do you, why do you think it's gotten more expensive cuz there's an answer i'm just curious to know. Oh, okay. why do you think the why do you think it's gotten more expensive when did it change i don't know for the usa so in the uk and in the uk it's changed significantly cuz in the uk it used to be taxpayer funded so all the all the MPs and government officials in the in the UK, they went to university for free, right? No tuition fees, zero, right? Not, nothing. It costs nothing. When I was there, I want I think per year the tuition fees were three thousand pounds. Now I think it's about ten thousand. So I left university two thousand seven. So it's, it's so it's gone it's gone from zero yeah. to uh, say nine thousand over the course of three years to thirty thousand. Um, and that's 2007 to now. Zubi, what's the uh, who's the Sally May of UK? I don't, I don't think there is one. So, so who finances school loan in U- UK? So, if I'm going to Ox- if I'm going to a mm-hmm. school, 
Do I go to the government, get a loan and a federal loan to, to go to school? I believe it's a federal loan. Okay. So, I believe it's a federal loan. So here's, here's the challenge on what happened. From 1980 to today, I'll give you exact stats in America. Okay. From 1980 to today, inflation is up 217%, mm-hmm. just basic inflation. So whatever was worth, you know, if you were buying something for 10 bucks, you're paying, you know, whatever, $20 around Ford, right? Okay. 200 what? 217, 217% inflation from 1980 till today. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the college uh, tuition has gone up from 1980 till today? From 1,999%. Wow. I'm sorry, 1,199%, which is exactly like 1,200%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so almost inflation, five times? Six times. Inflation mm-hmm. is up 217. College tuition is up 1,200%. Mm-hmm. Uh. So now why? Here's why. If, if you know how, uh, 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 <clears throat> if you start a new business, okay, and you got this idea, if you go to B of A or Wells Fargo, what are the chances of B of A and Wells Fargo saying, no, I'm not going to finance it? Pretty high. Okay, banks like those types of banks are not going to finance your business idea if you have zero credibility. I'd like a half a million dollar loan. Yeah, okay, whatever. This is not the 60s. Go somewhere else, right? Hmm. So you have to go get it from Angel or you have to get it from other people, right? You're not going to get it from a bigger bank. Okay, if college education is so worth it, why don't banks finance it? Let me say it one more time. Mm. College education is not so worth, worth it. it because it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. So so call, even banks don't believe you're going to pay that back. So yeah. banks are like saying, we're not going to take that risk. But the day the government said, we will finance college tuition for every dollar that bank that the government finances, colleges can increase at 60 cents. So I, I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes sense or not. So yeah. every year, so you know, like you and I, there's a certain regulation you have when you're competing. It's a monopoly. You you know, you can't compete all this other stuff. So everybody's targeting companies. Well, they're a monopoly. They're this, they're that. Mm-hmm. Okay. The ultimate monopoly and everyone's bad, you know, corporations don't pay taxes. First of all, let me give you one crazy stat, crazy stat on this. There's 13 universities in America that have $10 billion or more in their bank account, cash. Mm-hmm. They call it endowments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Harvard number one, right? Harvard's number one at fifty-three billion, but you got ten or fifty-three billion. Mm-hmm. Okay, in savings. Mm-hmm. Now let's see who the real greedy people are. Watch the statistic. Get, name me, name me a the the you know fast food place we've gone to, the biggest fast food place in the world. What's the name of it? McDonald's. How much you think they got in cash? Uh, so remember, the thirteenth university has ten billion in endowment. It's mm-hmm. just a college. Okay. How much do you think McDonald's has in cash? <laughs> Tens of billions? 2.3 billion, oh. that's it. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. That's it. They got 50,000 freaking locations worldwide employing hundreds of thousands of people worldwide. They're only sitting on $2.3 billion. They're the greedy people. Hmm. How much do you think Starbucks has in cash? 400,000 employees. One. How much do <laughs> you think Starbucks? Do you see where you're going One now? Billion. Now you're thinking about <laughs> yeah, it, right? Yeah, because right. these Starbucks only has $3 billion in okay. cash. Check this out. Facebook, trillion-dollar company, only has $54 billion in cash. The same as Harvard. How the hell does Facebook have the same amount of cash as Harvard? Tesla, massive company, only $18 billion, Okay. Disney, massive company, only $16 billion in cash. Mm. How? How? So, 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 and then they have the audacity... 
to say corporations don't pay taxes, but no one has the audacity to call out, call out colleges while they pay this much taxes. March mm-hmm. Madness, zero in taxes. Football, zero in taxes. They get away with all of that, and they get to charge parents more money every year and pressure parents to finance their house and take money out. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I think... I think the phase we are today, people are starting to realize and question everything. People like yourself, people like us, were like, dude, I, I don't know what the hell is going on, but I'm questioning and I want to yeah, learn mm-hmm. more. How the hell does Starbucks only have $3 billion? How the hell does McDonald's have $2.3 billion in the bank? And we got 13 universities that have $10 billion or more in the bank. Yeah. See, this this the kind of stuff where when you question it and you kind of open up the, you're like, holy shit, they got no competition and the government's got their backs. And if education is so worth it, why aren't mm-hmm. banks financing it? Mm. Maybe it's no longer worth it. Yeah. And the worst thing that happened to colleges and universities, you know what's the worst thing that happened to colleges? Government and, getting involved? You know what's the worst thing? Not the best thing. That's the best thing that happened to them. <laughs> you know what's the worst thing that happened to colleges and universities? The internet. COVID. Oh, okay. Best thing that happened to us, worst thing that happened to colleges and universities. You know why? Because COVID forced people, universities, to get co- cornered. COVID happens, then Harvard students and parents are like, look, now that everybody's doing from Zoom and they're no longer on campus. You're going to lower tuition, Yeah, of course, you're going to be right? a lower tuition. And Harvard nope. says, no, the stamp of approval of Harvard is you still have to pay full yeah. tuition. Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, I thought the experience of college was you got a insurance policy because if something doesn't work out, you can always say, I got a degree from this school. I mm-hmm. thought it was about the education. I thought it was about the pride. And I thought it was about the network and the experience of mm-hmm. being there. Oh, so now I can get a degree online. Mm-hmm. I don't need to pay this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I can be a nomad person traveling the world and still get my four-year degree. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Why don't you finance me? Track my grades. Mm-hmm. Just allow me to travel the world while I'm getting my four-year degree. I would much rather do it that way. The worst thing that happened to colleges was COVID, and they're going to pay a price for it long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so COVID plus the internet. COVID plus the internet. Yeah, absolutely. COVID plus the internet. Can I give you a little pushback maybe? Go for it. All right. Because it's a little bit more of a... By the way, we're on the same page here. The word entrepreneurship, we didn't hear growing up. Like our age, if you're in your late 30s, early 40s, when did you hear about entrepreneurship? Tom, you just turned 60. Happy birthday, by the way. When did you hear about the term entrepreneurship? It was probably five years out of college. Okay. I knew what it was, and I, I... I knew the concept, I knew there, but the economy of all the startups mm-hmm. and everything like that, you know, I was in LA, so there was proximity to it, but it wasn't as, um, it wasn't front of mind and it wasn't like seen as a valid option. Now, the whole notion of side hustle is mm-hmm. micro entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and it's very, what are you doing for a side hustle? You know, it's very <laughs> exactly. Real. Well, anyway, where I was going with this argument is that because it's conflicting because you're going to want to send your girls to a good college, I assume. Oh, they're not going to study art history. They're not going to study anything soft. But, but you're but sending them to you, college, bro, I think it's a right? good idea for doctors and nuclear physicists yes, to get I an agree. education. Yeah, I take but, STEM and law out. Yes, yes. totally agree. Yeah. I agree. The, the problem is, and I went to college, but I'm, I always tell people I don't even know why the hell I went to college. I just mm-hmm. went partying and hanging out with chicks the whole time, and maybe I went to class. But if you look at the stats... And this is, comes down to individual responsibility. If you look at the stats, the average college graduate will earn double what a high school graduate will earn in their lifetime. So let's back out the numbers. If you go to college, average college student will make $2 million over their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Okay, the average high school student, high school graduate, will make $1 million. Okay, so if you're going to take out fifty grand in debt, let's just say... 
that's a pretty fair trade-off to take off 50 grand to make an extra million dollars. College isn't the necessary factor, though. I, I was about to say that. But go ahead. Make your point, I'm, and then, then Zuby will have something. I'm, I'm with you on this. Yeah. However, the, the challenge is where are you going to college? Like you said, you're not going to do an art history major. That's really what it comes down to is like your four-year degree, mm-hmm. you can take at a state college, state school, pay the normal you know, state tuition. And if you can get into Harvard or Yale or Stanford, you're going. I don't care what you say. You go to Harvard. You mm-hmm. take the opportunity. You'll deal with the ramifications of the debt at a later date. But it's when you go to like Oberlin College in wherever, some liberal arts, and you pay out-of-state tuition where you could have just gone to you know, FIU here in South Florida or FAU, whatever, but no, I'm going to go to whatever random private school in whatever city because you want the college experience. That's where you end up spending instead of 50 grand, mm-hmm. 250 grand. Mm-hmm. And then depending on your major, mm-hmm. you know, because certain majors have different ROI. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. Like, let's be real. A lot of degrees are trash. I agree. Like, m- most. There's a small handful of the traditional ones, which we know you've said STEM law you know you want to be an engineer, engineer. a doctor a lawyer like there's, there's certain ones very, very obvious anything that ends in studies nonsense mm-hmm. right anything with studies in the title it's nonsense <laughs> I um, love that. and then I love there's that. other stuff that's more kind of <laughs> in the middle you know geography history english might be useful for some very specific niches but you probably going into a huge amount of debt mm-hmm. to get that degree in this day and But the age, problem is you're, probably not you have to make this life-altering decision when you're 17, 18 but years old. Have, How the hell do you know what you're going to do no, the rest of your I, life? I put this so you're like, all right, do I go to college? Do I not go to college? I, I put it on parents. I mean, this is an interesting one because my perspective has changed on this a lot. Not because of because the world the world has changed and the reality has changed and the opportunity cost and real cost has completely mm-hmm. changed. So, for example... Um, when my oldest brother when my, when my oldest brother went to university in the UK, didn't didn't have to pay anything out out of pocket, right? Taxpayer funded, to, you know, tuition fees covered, right? So this is in the in the nineties. It's like, well, if you're in the UK, going to university was like a no brainer. It doesn't. It barely costs you anything. Um, like there, there it, it's just upside. Right, like why? Why would you not go? Assuming you're mentally capable of going, why wouldn't you, you go? Yeah, you 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 may as well go. And the value of a degree was still high because there wasn't in the internet and all these different options and opportunities. It's like, yeah, you know, you get a degree, get a job, you're good to go. And then I, you know, years later, you know, a decade later, I go to university and it's like, okay, the cost has gone up now. You're starting to, we're starting to move into this world. I was in university 2004 to 2007. We're starting to move into this internet era, but it's not like it is now. Kind of in the middle, okay, the costs are, there's some costs, but it's it's still very affordable, 3,000 pounds per year, very, affo- you know, per, very affordable. And then now it's like, okay, another 10 years passes by, the cost has tripled, the value has dropped. You've introduced even all these new majors and courses, which are complete nonsense. And it's like the, the equation changes. So by the time I have kids and they're 17, 18, if, assuming it keeps going on this trajectory, I have no interest in them going to university, right? Unless it's like for something very, very specific because the world has just changed so much, right? Mm-hmm. The The... So this is this is the thing. I think so many parents and, you know, I understand it. I'm not trying to put them down or any way, but 
I think they're still viewing it as in, okay, in the 80s or in the 90s, this is how it was. And they're still viewing it the same way. They're not even realizing that, oh, okay, like they're not getting the same, you're not getting the same value. It's it's wild that you're getting all these people coming out of university and then you go and work in, you go and work in mm-hmm. Starbucks or you go and work in a shoe shop or do something that you, you could have just done without a degree. And you have to consider the opportunity cost. What else could you have done in that three or four year mm-hmm. period or five year period, right? It's not just that you're going into debt. It's like, okay, you, you, you're losing out on earnings. You're losing out on experience. In, there are some degrees that make you dumber, mm-hmm. right? If you go and you study uh, w- women's studies and with a minor in queer theory, like you're coming out dumber than, than you went in. Or maybe just more woke. Dumber. <laughs> like, you know, no, really. Like, yeah. like mm-hmm. you're, you're coming out worse. You're actually coming out worse. You're coming out with less common sense, less grasp on reality, more of an in, less of an ability to communicate with normal people. You've just been depending how far you go down that rabbit hole. Well, that well, way. if if you major in that for four years, yeah. you're going to come out with some loopy ideas, and it's a Ponzi scheme because the only way you can even make money from those degrees yeah. is going back into mm-hmm. academia and brainwashing but, another generation. But I, but I, but I got to tell you this. Okay, so just just think about if you had all the resources in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. And say you have $10 billion in the bank, and you're at a point, you've traveled the world, you have kids, you're 59 years old, Zuby, King Zuby. Wow. You're 59 years old, you got Goals. $10 billion in the bank, Goals. beautiful wife, <laughs> your, kids have done a, your kids are doing great, they love you, life is good, married, mm-hmm. happy, everything. You're mm-hmm. politically making an impact, you've done great for yourself. And then you're seeing a big leak in education. And if you chose to start a university... How would you start that university and what would you teach? What mm-hmm. would be your format? Because there is a leak in it mm-hmm. and there is experience in there's a big difference between us doing the podcast this way versus us doing a podcast on a Zoom. Mm-hmm. You're sitting right here in flesh. I'm sitting right here in flesh. We're having this conversation. It's a little bit more intimate versus, sure. hey, Zuby, so how are things? You know, <laughs> so so that, there, there is that intimate experience. Mm-hmm. So if you have 10 billion and all of a sudden you get the itch and you say, you know what? I just think. You know, we do need an, a university. Mm. I do think we need to do something. There, There's a way of doing it better. How would you do it better? I have some ideas. I'm curious on how you guys would do it better. That's a great question. I mean, the first thing I would do is have this conversation with smart people in different fields. Successful you know, people in the world of science and law. Talk to doctors. Talk to people like yourself, entrepreneurs. And see, okay, what we, we've been running with this system for, for centuries Right. The world has changed massively in each person's field and sector. Let's have this conversation and see, OK, like what would what would what would you want to teach? What do you think would be valuable? Ask that of different people. And then over time, I would I wouldn't put it all on myself and think, you know, oh, I, no, of course. I, I, I have the knowledge of all these. You know, I just know but even for you, just for you, no, like yeah. ideally for you. Like, OK, so, mm. for example, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, like you, you, you start a restaurant. Mm-hmm. OK. And if we're starting a restaurant together, the four of us, first thing, let's just say, okay, what do we want to do? Do we want to make it a niche? What do you mean? Is it sushi? If it's sushi, we're doing sushi. If it's, you know, American, we're doing burgers. Okay, we're doing that. If we're doing Italian, we're doing Italian. If we're doing, mm-hmm. are we doing a mixture? Are we doing like a uh, fusion? Is that what we're going to be doing? Okay, let's just say we're doing a fusion. What's the fusion between? Let's say we're doing Peruvian and Chinese food combined, like Chino Chiclano by Jose Andres. Okay, we're doing a fusion of Mexican food and, you know, uh, whatever food. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's what you took me in Vegas. I, that's where you're coming up with. Chiclano <laughs> is in D.C. Vegas is Poblano. Poblano yeah, is Mexican and Chinese that's fusion. Right. So, okay. so then we make a menu. And we say, what do you like on the menu? 
you say, I like these seven uh, things to eat. Mm. What do you like? I like these nine things. Tom, what do you like? I like these six things. Tyler, what do you like? I like these eight things. We add it. Then we look at the list and we say, guys, which one of these can we eliminate? Mm -hmm. And one by one by one we eliminate. And we keep the top 40% of the items on the menu that we all love. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think the first step is take all the topics that are teaching and look at it and say, uh, which one of these you're going to use in your mm-hmm. life? Yes. Okay. And I want to say, da, 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 da. okay, let's take the top 20% of things that we are going to use. Okay. And then let's add new things that nobody else is mm-hmm. teaching to it. Business, entrepreneurship, negotiation, sales, money. Let's add this to it. Health right. And fitness. Health and fitness. Let's add this to it. Diet, like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Let's add this to it and let's go with it. And by the way, if you want to study philosophy, go to university of whatever. If you want to study this, go over there. Mm-hmm. Our school is to teach you stuff that you're going to apply in your life. And then here's what makes us unique, Adam. What's that? Two things. Number one, 50% of our um, professors are former operators. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. It's a form of a contribution to society. Hey, Adam, you're 63. You've made a lot of money. You don't need to make another 50 million bucks. Are you willing to contribute six hours of your week to society? Yeah, what do I need to do? A class a day for one hour. I can do a class every other day. No problem. Let's start off with that. Mm -hmm. Adam is now a professor teaching basics of money because he became financially free. But he's not talking as a guy that desperately needs the salary. Mm -hmm. He's talking Mm -hmm. from a guy that's worth $10 million. Here's how I did it. These are the mistakes that I made, right? Okay, Zuby, your topic is going to be this. How do you want to? Can you? Are you willing to contribute to such that guys? I can only do two hours a week. No problem. It's mm-hmm. fine. Here's what we're going to do. Then my format will be the following format. In topics that there needs to be a lot of debate, the class would have two professors, not one professor. If we do religious studies, I'm going to have a Christian and I'm going to have a whatever. Pick another uh, 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 denomination or not denomination, religion, Muslim. Put Catholicism, Mormonism, Judaism. Pick mm-hmm. them. Okay. And that's what it is. So you debate, and I debate, and I'm the student. I'm enamored the entire time because I'm like, what a freaking format. You're sitting there teaching history. Have a couple people debate. The t- every class would have two professors, not one. Mm-hmm. And the format would be debate. Because I think what we're saying here with universities, I think if a university like that existed, I would love for yes. my kids to go yes. there. Like the idea has got to be, dude, I am so happy my kids are in your hands. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm so happy my kids are in your hands. I was at a wedding uh, uh, last November. And at the wedding, the father, the guy that was getting married, shows up to me and he gives me a hug and he starts crying. He says, listen, man, I'm so glad you got a hold of my son at 18 years old. Hmm. Because, wow. it, it, because the teaching, the environment... Change so, I have kids. I know eventually these kids got to go learn from somebody else. For me to be able to say my son is spending a quarter with Tom, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's coming from a place of dude, that kid is gonna come better. So the idea of education for parents needs to be, I can't wait to meet the final product of my daughter or my son. Mm-hmm. But that's not the feeling today. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, if you are woke left. If you are liberal Mm -hmm. and you are sending your kids to UC Berkeley, Mm -hmm. guess what? You are going to get exactly what you were hoping to get when the kids come come out of college. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, and that should be and that should be their choice, right? Let put it up to put it up to the free market. Have these different, and we'll see who Mm -hmm. turns out better. I love the debate philosophy. Another problem is that we touched on this. A lot of these teachers are 
don't have understand money. Don't understand no. unless they're an economics professor. Don't understand how money works and, and the economy works. And understand less about money than and anybody else. So, yeah. Sometimes, so like <laughs> here you have these teachers and respected teachers. I mean, I'm not going to shit on teachers, but mm-hmm. overall, I think they, you know, we that's a necessary component of society. But you go to school to make money or to learn how to make money, and then you're learning from people that don't know how to make money. So it's sort of a backwards philosophy. And I think we'd be doing a disservice if we don't talk about the advantages of a lot of people going to technical schools. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In America, it's you're frowned upon if you become a plumber, right? Or if you become an HVAC technician, or if you become any sort of electrician working Mm -hmm. with your hands. It's like, these guys make six figures. Do you know know what's going on here? And and this this is the case with many things in our society, is there's this concept of perceived legitimacy. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what these universities are still running on. Some of them rightfully so, right? But many times it's 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 all smoke and mirrors and fumes. It's it's branding, right? So why should you know why why does somebody say if someone says, oh, you know, I, I work in this legal office and I make 80 grand people look at that one way and a plumber who's making mm-hmm. 120 grand you look at it a different way or an electrician or a mechanic or something, right? It's it's this concept of like perceived legitimacy or clout or sort of pr- prestige. But a lot of it is just branding and marketing mm-hmm. that's kind of been put in people's heads for decades that causes them to kind of turn their turn their turn their nose up at certain things or frown on certain things and look at other things as in like, oh wow, this is amazing. Um and I think that as you as we've all alluded to, people are waking up to that. And I think this is going to be a generational shift. I think far more younger people, people say under 40, certainly under 30, are looking at the numbers Mm -hmm. and are looking at... By by now, we've had a a decade of people coming out of college in multiple countries who can't get a a decent job, right? And people are looking at that and waking up to it and experiencing it themselves and are like, hmm... Okay, I did this thing. Even if you, even if someone's there with a hundred grand debt, and you're 27 years old, and you're now thinking, honestly, if I'm honest with myself, that wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth me going into all that debt to get my degree in in history or fine art. Um, they'll make a different choice when they have children, right? They're going to look at that situation and be like, okay. My parents did this because, you know, they thought they thought it was the best for me. Maybe they mm-hmm. encouraged and pushed me to go to college because that's what they did. And it worked out well for them. But look, the world has changed. The game has changed. There's new technology. There's new options. We don't need to kind of keep going down the same thing. Because ultimately, when you think about what is the what's really the purpose of education? And I think people get this twisted. Right. People confuse. Uh, I've, I've said before that um, education is cheap or free, but college is expensive. People conflate college mm-hmm. and education. They're, they're not the same thing. You can be extremely, you can be highly, highly educated, very, very knowledgeable and not have a university degree. You can have a university degree and be very ignorant and naive and not very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't right know how there. many people go to college because they want to get smarter. No, it's a return yeah. on your investment to have a, a career yeah. and a job where you can make money. That's it. Yeah, yeah but it's not even... It's not even really that practically, right? For so many companies, again, the legacy companies, the the college degree is just a filter. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a filter, and I well, think a lot it, of those big companies, such as the big tech companies, are mm-hmm. no longer exactly demanding that you have a college this, degree. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. So they are waking up and going, okay, actually, what do we? We, we want to know that you can do the job and do the job well. Mm-hmm. Maybe 20 years ago, a degree was a very good sign of that. 
Now, for whatever reason, it's not. We want to know, have you got the skills? Yeah. And so I, mm-hmm. I think that I think there's a, a disruption that's happening. I think we're, we're in the early phases of it. We've seen it in all of these other sectors mm-hmm. just over the last few decades. And I think that the same is going to happen with education. And I think once that perceived legitimacy switches from just being, oh, you know, you, you have to go to this college or that college and it just becomes, oh, OK, there's these other yeah. options and there's these other ways. And we yep. respect that. And that's and that's valid and that's legitimate. And we don't frown upon that. Mm-hmm. Then I think the whole game is going to change. I think it's and already happening. And I think it'll way. and it'll also cause the colleges to have to respond and react to that, because if they want to keep attracting and getting students they're going to need to step up their game. They're going to realize, okay, we can't keep charging people 20 grand a year to learn some nonsense that they're not going to get any real value from because they're starting to get hip to the game. Yeah, it's happening. It's below the surface. Uh, Pat and I are both very passionate about education. I mean, at the core, my alter ego, the biz doc, is a teacher. Um, that's me. And I look around it. I went to state school. Cal State Northridge, because that's what I could afford. Mm. Um, no scholarships, no athletic ability. That's what I could afford. And I did pretty well because I was a smart kid. I learned some things. I studied business administration marketing. So the finance was valuable. Certain things were valuable. Mm. They made me take some general ed courses, geology and stuff, because I need science credit. I don't think that was valuable. I think it was profitable for the school. Sure. <laughs> I don't know that that Prerequisites. was... Prerequisites. You're required to take these classes Correct. before you can start doing your major. Bullshit. And what Pat and I did, we went to a, uh, a conference, and um, uh, uh, GSB puts on an education conference, and we went and saw there are lights shining out there, and I might want to hold any up but we G- GSB to, you gotta you gotta clarify GSP is not George St. Pierre <laughs> this, this is a GSV GSV, GSV. yes yeah, this is was, the one where Betsy DeVos there was getting protesting outside correct yeah it was a ASU GSV uh summit on education but really it was a showcase of some really clever companies one was out there to you and because we were both very impressed with this guy Chip Posek who come out there and said hey I'm gonna make technical education available for the masses without the debt overhang Mm. so you can go learn how to code and to be a a computer science engineer and then go get yourself a job in an industry that had a shortage and so they'd love you to get skills in two and a half years and be available they wouldn't uh, rather than waiting for you to go through mit or caltech for four years Mm -hmm. and so there i think are lights shining there and also i think people need to pay attention to two things Online education in the United States, a lot of colleges and universities are just waking up to it. Yes. If you look at ads on TV, like ESPN and stuff, you'll see uh, Southern New Hampshire University, Grand Mm -hmm. Canyon University. You know the ones I'm talking about. Of course. You don't see Cornell advertising. Phoenix University. Well, University of Phoenix had another problem, and it's a shadow of what it was, and its I don't think it's really doing it right. But the ones I'm just talking about, they are effectively educating people distant from their homes while Cornell is like, we would never do that. Why? Because it's not the economic model that Cornell mm-hmm. wants to keep wants to keep. But are those in. online universities actually worth it? Because I don't know how many people go to those universities because they 
want a degree in something or a, a major education. It's just like, I got to get a fucking degree. Let me just do it online. All right, cool. Bang it well, out. Boom. Southern New Hampshire. Well, that's part of the thing that is slowly moving is you're, you're slowly seeing things move or corporate America is not using it. You were so correct. He called it the filtering mechanism. That's exactly what it is. It's a filtering mechanism. Okay, you have a degree. And from where did you get the degree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Filtering mechanism. From Southern New and Hampshire what was University. Your, no, you, I'm, I'm going to another level, right? Uh, you, I don't care where someone got an education as long as they can show me what they did. Yeah. You know, we hired a business analyst. I didn't care where he got his education as long as he could show mm-hmm. me what he did. He was a smart guy. We trained him and he brought raw materials and worked out great for us. Mm-hmm. That, that is, and by the way, why do we do that at our company? Because where we came from, we, we weren't Ivy League bigots. We didn't look at it that way and Pat say, Wow, is it from this school to that school? We looked at him and say, is he smart, clever, smart, yeah. clever, two different things, mm-hmm. right? Is he dedicated? Is he focused? Is he teachable? Mm-hmm. Is he personable? We looked at all these things and said, okay, he's bringing raw materials and he already knows how to do this and this. We're going to show him the rest. Yep. And guess what? The guy had a really good run with us. Another thing that's so major is, because uh, when I think of education in general, um, both school and university level, because a lot of this stuff can filter down to schools as well, is I think, okay, what are the things that no matter, if you're an adult, you're going to have to deal with these things, right? No matter what you choose to do, how you live your life, there's certain things that we all have to deal with. That's why I brought up health health and nutrition, right? We all, we all have a body. We all eat food multiple times per day, and we've got one body that we need to take care of, right? So to me, it's ludicrous that someone can go through a multi-decade education process and you don't learn at least the basics of taking care of your body. That's insane, right? Money. We all deal with money. Whatever job you do, however you live your life, whether you stay single, you get married, you have children, you're, you're going to have to deal with money. You're going to have to deal with money and with finances. Gaping hole. Like, there's, that's not even a subject. How is that, how is that not a school subject? Right. This is where I start thinking everything is a psyop this because is a I'm huge like that can't be societal benefit. Exi- I, that's where I think it can't right. be accidental. Right. They want people to be stupid about these things. So you're going to have to deal with those things. Of course, communication, communication. Right. And not what to think, but how to think. Right. Like being able. Not everyone has the skills to have this type of conversation. They haven't learned how to communicate, how to listen, mm-hmm. not just how to talk and how to read and how to write and how to understand, but how how to just sit down and listen to another person mm-hmm. and, you know, control your emotions and, you know, know when to, all, all of these things are really important skills. And as, as we all know, as, as, as entrepreneurs and people who do what we do, so much of it isn't just the hard, hard math and hard science and hard, it, it's like, cool, like those are important in certain ways, but it's, can you relate to people? Do people, can you, can you communicate? Can you get an idea across? Can you influence people? Can you persuade people? All of that stuff. And I think we have that. I think yeah. we have that at universities. I just don't know if, if, you know, some do it better than others. I think that is taking place. And a mm-hmm. part of that, like, look, let's not get it twisted. Even if I go to the best school based on everything that I just talked about or you just talked about that they're going to offer and you come out, you still could fail in life and you still could still be a schmuck because you're <laughs> not going to be able to apply this stuff. It mm. still goes back mm. to the individual when they come out, right? Like when you sure. say the average person that finishes college, it makes $2 million more than the other person that doesn't. Okay, is that the college or is that because the kid's got the discipline to finish things he starts? Mm-hmm. We don't know. So what are we going to give the credibility to? We don't know the data there, right? The, the whole debate with are men better drivers than women? 
You know, a guy was showing me one of the Tate's videos about a guy's question him saying, hey, are women better drivers than men? And I'm sitting there saying, this guy's actually making the argument, and he's serious about it. He says, well, yeah, women are better drivers than men, according to data. Data sometimes lies. What do you mean by that? First of all, okay, so let, let's, let's talk about a couple different things when it comes down to why insurance is cheaper for women than it is for men. Number one, who in their lifetime drives more miles, men or women? No. Who drives more miles? Is it even a question? Well, if you're going to include no. truckers. Then, yeah. Yeah, Not this man, but it. I'm saying like yeah. most men. <laughs> Nobody's Ubered more than me around here. <laughs> most men drive more miles than women do. Okay, second mm-hmm. statistics. If we were to take the average speed men go versus the average speed women go, how many more miles per hour do you think men go than women? Probably 10. I was going to say 10 miles, right? Okay. If you're going 10 miles faster than women do, the chance of you getting into an accident, it's probably, if it's 50 miles, 10, 20% higher of you killing yourself in car accidents. Okay. I totally get that. But does it mean women are better drivers than men? No. But sometimes data is so misleading, like $2 million more. Who calculated it? How did they calculate it? What are the factors? What are the things that we're not giving? Are we giving way too much credit to the actual college education and not enough to the individual? Are we giving credit to the upbringing of the parent? There's so many different factors, but it's mm-hmm. easy to always just give the credit to who? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because the colleges. There's way more factors to it than just colleges. Again, I want to change topics. Sure. You have some stuff to say about uh, Saudi Arabia. Let me just first give credit to a couple uh, uh, super chatters. We have the mind of Vina gave 50 bucks. It says part of the U.S. brand, part of the brand U.S. identity is bigger is better. Mm. Whether good or bad, this is true for military complex, debt, obesity, drugs, excess good, bad, skyscrapers, everything is bigger than U.S. identity. This is abundance, but also Mm -hmm. egregious excess brand. Look at Mm. Texas. Everything's bigger than Texas. Hello, come on now. Smedley (laughs) Butler III says, Zuby, the purpose of credit card debts were never meant to be for the consumer. Through fractional reserve lending, Mm -hmm. banks multiply the full credit card limit by 10 and loan it out to consumer, uh, to someone else as soon as you swipe it into existence. Thank you, Smedley. And uh, outside of that, I want to talk to you about Saudi Arabia and golf. Sure. Okay. Okay. So we went went viral last time we talked about Saudi Arabia. (laughs) That that went crazy. There's this phenomenon with Tiger Woods turned down live golf. $700 $700 million to an $800 million offer. This is the biggest offer they made to anybody. This was in an attempt to lure the 15-time major winner away from the PGA Tour, according to Live Golf CEO Greg Norman. The number has been out there. Yes, Norman said. Tiger is a needle mover. So, of course, you got to look at the best of the best. They originally approached Tiger before I became CEO. So, yes. That number is somewhere in that neighborhood. The Saudi Arabia-backed golf league has grown notorious for offering audacious sums of money to pry golfers from PGA Tour, with Woods' offer being the most lucrative total known to date. So what do you think about, you know, why this has become so controversial? You know, oh, my God, I cannot believe you're going to go and take money from, you know, Saudi Arabia. Why would you do that? Do you realize what they do over there? What are your thoughts on this? This is my very first time hearing anything about this and i'm not i'm not even familiar with live golf is what what exactly is live golf oh you're this is you have this no is clue to, about this that. is totally new. <laughs> really i'm totally okay. new yeah. so do you want to kind of tell them what's going on yeah. with live golf yeah not that i'm a huge golf guy but <laughs> yeah. basically they started a, a competitive uh league to or championship series to basically the pga okay mm-hmm. so and now they're basically let's see who's who can be bought 
Well, mm. Phil Mickelson could be bought. That guy's got had a lot of problems. Boom, let's buy that guy. He's a big name. Boom, here's a couple hundred million. Good, good, good Brooks for you. Kepka. Good. And then there's, there's names after names. Bubba I know Watson. you're a big golf guy. Exactly. Okay. Who can be bought? Who can be bought away from the PGA? The way that I'm processing this is like, you know, what China has done in the NBA, why, you know, LeBron takes a lot of heat and a lot of the NBA players, why they don't speak about what's going on in China and mm -hmm. the totalitarian state that's going on there and the Uyghurs that are forced to do whatever are allegedly they, they have to do. Mm -hmm. There's a whole it's a, lot of TV money. Exactly. So, sure. you know, so basically the, I think Saudi Arabia sort of took the blueprint of what the uh, China has done uh, with the NBA and said, all right. Let's do a little golf league here, and let's okay. see how many players we can purchase. And, so, so Live Golf, it's, it's a Saudi company? It's a Saudi company. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And, uh, you know, players are for hire. And uh, Tiger Woods, they said, all right, he's the biggest name in golf. How much is it going to cost to buy Tiger? Mm. And allegedly that number is going to be more than $800 million because he said no to that. Interesting. So when they throw a B on there, is Tiger going to say yes? Is he going to say no? We'll see what happens. But... Uh, and Greg Norman, the shark, right? Mm -hmm. I think he's what the director of operations. What is they he? Made, the president? They made him CEO. CEO. Two months ago, yeah. Okay, so interesting. Be seen. And then obviously there was a lot of backlash last week at Trump's golf course because they hosted, I think, a big live event, and you had right. a lot of nine eleven um, descendants, right? Mm -hmm. Advocates basically saying, "All right, I mean, they they some some stuff was declassified recently." about Saudi Arabia and basically their role in 9-11. And it wasn't pretty for Saudi Arabia. And then you can throw on top of that the whole Jamal Khashoggi thing, you know, you know, blood on the hands. What, you know, how much can it, does it cost for you to be bought? I think mm -hmm. is the big question here. That's right. So, I mean, Tom, you're, you Tom, you're golf. a golf guy. What's what, going on? Yeah, what do you think is going on here with Live Golf and Tiger? So there's a couple things that are going on. Uh, the First of all, the PGA Tour has always been heavy-handed. Whenever you have a monopoly, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, or Major League Baseball, you always have these conflicts between players. And the players' associations, they always unionize versus, versus the— um, so you have the owners and the stadiums on this hand, and then we have the players' associations on this hand. And the TV money goes over here, and then they give them contracts to play. Well, it's that way in golf, too. And the interesting thing about it is the PGA Tour has been kind of heavy-handed, and they've been inconsistent on things. Uh, Dustin Johnson was a very, very popular golfer who uh, flunked three drug tests, we now know, uh, for using Coke. And... Instead, they said he's taking a six-month leave of absence because he hurt his back jet skiing. Mm -hmm. And everybody in the tour was like, what sort of BS is this? Why can't we just come out and say he failed the drug test? Any drugs are performance-enhancing drugs. We don't want them in our sport, including you know, recreational abuse drugs. So there's always been this, this thing with the PGA, similar to the way the NBA sometimes or NFL will suspend this player, not that player, mm -hmm. you know, when things happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it opened the door for a competitive series. And they had big Saudi money behind them. It says, tell you what, there's no monopoly. Um, PGA Tour players get to play in the British Open, the Open. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to be a member of the Tour. You're invited to the Open. You're invited to the U.S. Open. You're invited to the Masters. Those are not PGA Tour events. They're all independent, the majors, um, except the PGA. Mm -hmm. And so finally the pot boils over and they're like, well, what if we got a bunch of money and started a competing global league? Mm. And what if we paid people to come into the league so we could prime the pump and get some people, you know, here. And that's what's happened. Big and, names, right? 
And it happens to be, it comes with Saudi Arabia and the underlining mm-hmm. social things that people mm-hmm. know about. But that's what's happened. They've tried to compete a competitive league, and they've paid some big um, appearance fees. By the way, appearance fees have been around in tennis forever. Right. Uh, the Joker gets $3.5 million to appear at certain tournaments mm. um, that are not mainstream. So Here's what Tiger said. Let me just read what Tiger said. Okay, so in, in other words, like to, to really compare... Uh, 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 Paul just said something very interesting. He says, "Live golf is like the Jake Paul of the golf world." Okay, so <laughs> they're kind of cutting the big checks, is what they're doing. Okay, uh, and and here's a comment from Tiger Woods. I'll just read it. He said uh, at 2022 uh, uh, US, uh, uh, Open Championships, he was asked about joining Live. He said, "I disagree with it." Uh, I think that they've done uh, is they've turned their back on what has allowed them to get to this position. I know that the PGA Tour stands for. I know what the PGA Tour stands for and what we have done and what the tour has given us. The ability to chase after our careers and to earn what we get and the trophies we have been able to play for and the history that has been part of this game. Um, This is his comments when he turned down. Seven or eight hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. Tom. When you hear that, knowing Tiger, what do you think about Tiger saying something like that? Well, I think Tiger's had his own set of headlines for which he could have been suspended in many sports, unfortunately. Um, and Tiger is just saying, "Don't bite the hand that feeds you." We don't need change. That's all he's saying. That's all he's mm-hmm. saying. You know, you are. He's also worth a billion dollars, so it's easy if you're worth a right. billion dollars to kind of turn down however many hundred million. And that if is you're, Bubba Watson's point, right? And so guys, if you're if you're only worth a couple million bucks and you've been working your ass off your whole life mm-hmm. and you're 48 years old, whatever your number is, or you're 35 years old and you're number 25 in the world, you've gotten yeah. up there to that level, and they're going to offer you uh, a walk across appearance fee of 20 million dollars exactly. to be part mm-hmm. of the tour. You look at it and you say, wow. But at the end of the day, it just comes down, can you be bought? Can you be bought? I don't think And I know there's anything wrong with that. It's, do you want to? Well, wait a well, minute. Is, is, is it, a professional not, athlete being, taking not. the biggest contract on the table being bought? <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Define being bought. It depends. Well, being, being, look, being bought is suggesting that there's some major objective ethical issue with it. Well, I mean, if you're American, mm-hmm. as an example, like you did hear the news about all the people protesting at Trump's golf course in New Jersey. You heard about this, no? Yes. No. Okay. But okay. So, all right. Over the last week or so, mm-hmm. I mean, we've all known that Saudi Arabia has played some sort of role in 9/11. You've heard this, right? Well, the high some many of the people who committed it, I know, were okay. Saudi nationals. Correct. The government, but, I'm, I'm not aware. I haven't looked into all that. But apparently okay. now they full-on came out and they said, no, the government did have a role, straight up. This is not my opinion. This is what is going out and circulating. So, and then you throw on the Jamal Khashoggi thing, mm-hmm. right? So that's the question. I know you're Saudi, so this is like... I'm not yeah, Saudi. No, you... you you didn't? Didn't you live in Saudi? For I a lived while? there, man. I'm not. I'm not Saudi. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. Very, you defend very, Saudi. Very, very, you defend. You like you don't don't put words in my mouth, please. But but Zuby, you came out and you said that you liked Saudi Arabia, like Saudi Arabia more than America or more than New York City. No, I didn't say that. What are you talking about, bro? That was the whole said, clip I, that went viral. New York City, not America. Is there, okay, yeah, man. Like, okay, I, I've I never said. said I, yeah, I said New York City. Things. I apologize, okay. but I did say that. Yes, but you were defending Saudi Arabia more like than New York City easily. Correct. but. A lot of Americans would disagree with you, bro. But they've never been okay. there. Correct. So, I, but I don't think their people are clamoring to go to Saudi because of what we've 
assumed about Saudi Arabia. Okay. Bringing it back to the Gulf situation is, you know, people are very uneasy with uh, Saudi Arabia, especially with their role in 9-11 here. So that's the story here. I mean, nobody's... Nobody. If if the UAE started this, nobody would be talking smack about this, right? If the country not? of Jordan did this, it's because of the connotations you, with Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but this Saudi is, Arabia again, had this a role in 9/11. Period. Full stop. So if you're American, you're probably gonna have an issue with Saudi Arabia. What? And I get that there's some sort of a fringe ally, whatever. You know, they're uh, opposite of Iran. You know, where who 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 does Saudi Arabia buy all their weapons from? United States. Okay. Exactly. That's why so. I said there's some sort of fringe ally. <laughs> this is the fucking debate, bro. Well, this is the debate. From? I mean, it's like people are so inconsistent. What what bothers me is like the inconsistency on, on these things. Right? Well, it's because it's, it's because like Saudi insane. Arabia is no, inconsistent. It, it, on one it's, hand, it's they'll insane. buy weapons off us and they'll be our ally. Correct. But on the other hand, there's a report that comes out and it says that the government did have a role in 9-11. Well, look, Greg Norman made a really good point. And I, I watched his interview and people said, well, that's really, you know, apples and oranges. No, it wasn't. He pointed pointed out that one of the top three sponsors this year in the LPGA is Aramco. Whoops, wait a minute. Where are they? Yeah, what Saudi they Aramco. Correct. Mm -hmm. And he pointed out, he said, take the top 10 advertisers or something from the PGA and look at how many of them are energy or massive banking consulting companies that have massive, not just a couple million dollars, but massive economic relationships with Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. KSE, and the government for years and years and years. Not mm -hmm. just that they did a deal this year, but they've been this. It says, so why is it so bad that, that, that you know, you've got royal money and country money coming out to create this golf league when sponsors here, you know, uh, you know, are they real high-end moralists? Are they turning a blind eye? No, no, or are they just doing business? These people are the inconsistency is is ridiculous. What about what about China? How much business? How much stuff is everything's made in China? Everything's bought mm -hmm. from like if someone was to even attempt to be moderately consistent on this, then you can't. You kind of can't really do anything. And this is one of the the sort of saddest things about the world. Is I, I often think. Um, this is kind of getting a little philosophical, but I often I'm intrigued by the concept of uh, what I would call complicity with evil. Right. Uh, because unfortunately, it's impossible for any of us just just by paying taxes, just by living, just by buying things. There's a degree of complicity with things that we all have moral and ethical issues with. Right. Mm -hmm. We all have smartphones. Right. Where where is the the mine the mining of some of the materials that are used for smartphones, coal tan, it's like everything you buy. Right. You, you're buying something from from you're buying Nike shoes or the right? Foxconn you're buying, factory. You're buying electronics. Right. Like whatever you're buying, mm -hmm. there is somewhere down the line, most likely something you have an ethical issue with factory farming, like everything, even just paying taxes, even the, the way your own government spends money. Mm -hmm. Right. You 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 pay your taxes and then they go and start some foreign war that you are completely opposed to, whether it was, you know, I Iraq in our lifetime, like so all these mm -hmm. military interventions. And it's it's just messy. It happens on a governmental level. It happens on an individual level and so on. And I'm a big fan of doing my best to try to reduce what I'd consider my complicity with evil, it's actually part of a reason why I tend to lean more libertarian on many things because I'm like, man, I don't want it's one thing taxing me 
and those taxes are going towards uh, schooling or helping homeless people or helping widows or so on. It's another thing taxing me. And then you go and you spend that money on some crap that I totally, totally disagree with and have no say in. So I think all of this stuff is is very, is very, very messy and it's confusing because you've got we know what the ccp is up to you've already talked about because they're, they're literally got concentration camps literally right um saudi arabia has its sins russia every country has yeah. its sins. Western, and america has western its countries sins. have their sins yeah. too but they're all working yeah it's so complicated that's that's the thing with me so when i see stuff like this i'm kind of like well you know, each I think each individual yeah. should should make their choice. I think if Tiger Woods is like, you know what, I have an ethical issue with this. Mm -hmm. The same thing happened, by the way, I know, because they did the um, crown jewel WWE events in Saudi Arabia over the last couple of years. And some of the wrestlers were like, you know what, I don't want to I don't want to participate in this event in, in Saudi Arabia. I have some kind of ethical issue with this. I'm going to step aside for this one. Other wrestlers were like, you know what, some of them thought completely differently. Some were like, you know what, actually, this is an opportunity to... Look, look, the country is becoming the, the idea of even having a WWE event in Saudi Arabia 10 years ago mm -hmm. was absurd. It wouldn't have happened. So their country is actually liberalizing and opening up in various ways. And they're like, OK, this is an opportunity to use our talents to help op open open things up. And then later down the line, you know, it's going to be a process. And by the way, I think people often forget one more thing, one more thing. My brain is jumping around everywhere because it, it's it's such an interesting topic to me is also I think people also forget that countries take time to get to places. Where was the USA in 1922? Right. Where was the USA even in the like, middle of I, the Great Depression? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, from a from a social from a social standpoint, you had the freaking KK, millions of KKK members running around, people getting lynched like 100 years like. Stuff was bad. Mm -hmm. Like countries take time. Like his history's dirty. History's messy. It's violent. It's nasty. You've had genocides. You've had wars. All of this, and countries change and they progress. And things are not stagnant. Where things are right now is not where they'll be in the future. So I do think that many Westerners and Western countries, despite all their own sins, which I won't even get into. Oftentimes they're like, OK, well, we're here right now in 2022. I think super woke people especially have this problem. And so we want to like snap our fingers and expect everywhere else around the world, across Africa, across Asia, across the Middle East. Like they should all just be they should all just be like us. Get on our level. Just, they're like, just well, like this. And I'm like, bro, but, yeah. but 20 years ago, like, you know, mm -hmm. take a topic like, I don't know, easy one, gay marriage. Right. 20 years ago, you're opinion and the general opinion on the same is this exact same thing the view is in nigeria right so you're here now trying to like mm. pressure these countries and push oh they're so backwards like it's like bro like 20 years ago that wasn't even the opinion here let's be real so why are you like expecting okay well this thing changes here we should snap our fingers and by magic mm -hmm. all the billions of people in the world just suddenly shift views that they've held for centuries it's like it's a messy one. So I've said a lot there. I've got a lot of thoughts on it, but um, I just think it's 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 a complicated thing. I would say it's 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 actually very simple. You know, okay. they they have competition, mm -hmm. and you know, PGA has had a uh, monopoly for a long time, and there's never been a second league to compete against them. Look, we're in the insurance industry. Let me tell you. I wish you knew how much competition we've had every freaking day that we got to figure <laughs> out a way to improve, you know? Uh, everybody's like, well, you know, how about that podcast, this podcast, that podcast? What if this guy, what if that guy? Look, if, if you have a message 
we started with zero subscribers <laughs> and audiences showed up because we had to get better. If you don't get an audience, you're not interesting. The mm-hmm. audience will say it. You, you can try to do whatever you want to do. People can say whatever they want to say about Mr. Beast or people can say whatever they want to say about PewDiePie or Rogan. They are interesting and people want to hear what they have to say and there's competition. Mm-hmm. Today, you know how many podcasts there is today? You know how many podcasts there is today worldwide? Million. 400 million podcasts today. Okay. 400 million You, you got, there's, there, there, it's a massive wow. number worldwide. In the U.S., I think, I'm sorry, in the U.S., there's 4 million podcasts. In the U.S., gotcha. there's 4 million podcasts. You got 4 million podcasts to choose from. Okay. Think not about 400 million. No, no, no. In U.S., the okay, number gotcha. I'm giving you is Same in U.S. No, done. U.S. 400 is an inaccurate number. In U.S., there's four million podcasts. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many podcasts do you got to choose from? Oh my God! Like, imagine how competitive that is. So PGA Tour is upset because there's going to be one other golf competition for you. I'm sorry, PGA. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you know, you, you have now somebody that you're competing against. So yeah. if they can pull it off. You know, great. Look what uh, Dana White said. Dana White says the best thing when Jake Paul says stuff to him. You know what he says? Good. You want to pay him better? Start a league. Yeah. No one is stopping him. <laughs> start a league. Go for yeah. it. If you want to start a league and compete against us and pay people better, mm-hmm. start a league. See how you can do it. Mm-hmm. Go see how many have tried. So if Liv thinks they can do it better mm-hmm. and they think their method of doing this is by cutting the big checks that you got oil and you go get a badass guy like Greg Norman who is going to be making these calls to them, all right, see how it works out. It may or may not work out. Props to Tiger for saying, yeah, I'm not taking it. And uh, he chose his position that he chose. But you cannot make this about Saudis are linked to 9-11 because when the moment you play that card, you're messing yourself up because the, the game of hypocrisy is going to come back and catch up yeah. to you, man. The game of hypocrisy is is not a good game to play. You can sit there and try to judge people. The moment you play the judgment game, first thing that happens is if somebody like, you know how they say, well, you do you realize what you did when you were, you did this and you did that and you did this? All the person has to say is, I'm sorry, for everybody watching, if you ever went to high school with this guy or college with this guy, <laughs> or can you please email us whatever you have on this guy? Are you okay yeah. with that, Mr. Mm-hmm. Mr. Reporter? Well, no, 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 no. Okay, then listen, maybe like chill out. We all got stuff in the skeletons in a closet, and we've all made mistakes. Kind of relax, mm-hmm. and let's compete and see who's going to get better. And then if you got a better argument, I'd live. Mm-hmm. More power to you. You don't, you don't. Trump tried to start a league, NFL. Who's the one player he picked up? Do you guys remember? Steve Young. Who else did he pick up? The, the name that now is running for senator. Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker. Oh, okay. Uh, it was the biggest uh, thing when Trump started a football league. New Jersey Generals. And he went and brought Herschel Walker. And Herschel Walker, Walker said no to the NFL, but he said yes to Trump. Why? Because they paid better. So is Herschel Walker is a guy that's for sale. And then he went there and he's like, you know what, Trump, you failed. I'm going to go to the NBA and to the mm-hmm. NFL. And then, so this is not easy to do. There's a lot of XFLs out there. People have tried. ABA was out there. Julius Irving used to be part of ABA before. Or NBA, bunch of guys played for ABA. Mm-hmm. So we're going to find out if they can compete. Here's the truth. It's going to take a lot more than money to be able to compete against the PGA. A lot more money yeah. than that. So we'll see if they'll pull it off or they, not. They Anyways, it's definitely it interesting. Yeah, It's more interesting. They're not cutting players. All the players are getting paid. They have teams. You're bringing hot young names. You're changing up the format. It's not boring old PGA Tour. They're going to cater to the young audience, and they're going to pull it off. Yeah, listen, they, they will pull this off. You, you know what I like about this, Tyler? You know what I like about this? I agree. 
you look like you could be the nephew of Greg Norman, by the way. It's like, is there a relation there where you're defending them or maybe a little bit of Saudi with your beard that you got? No, I, I, used to, I used to play a lot of golf, man. I'm a big fan of the sport, and I think the PGA is boring. I think mm. it's very hypocritical of Tiger as a billion-dollar athlete to sit here and criticize these guys. Imagine you're Pat Perez on tour for 20 years. Okay, you're traveling around the country. You're paying your caddy. Yeah. You're paying to ship all your stuff. Right. And now, you're, now, now you can go to a league where you're getting paid every event. You're, the 48th last place makes 120 grand point. per event. Like, mm-hmm. I love it. That's the point. Yeah. Go do it. See how you do. I'll yeah. play. Go go do it. Yeah, see how right. you do it. <laughs> right. See if you pull it off. 120 grand for coming last. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. You <laughs> have to be in like the top 30 in a PGA event to make to make any money. Let's it's, talk about you, 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 Tyler. With your permission, can we talk about Geico? If that's okay with you, I let's, think, let's, I think let's, it's go, great. Let's, let's go talk about Geico. Let's go talk about Geico. Okay. So Geico closes all California offices, lays off workers. Okay. They've reportedly closed all their 38 of its agent offices in California, laid off hundreds of employees, and will no longer sell insurance through telephone agents in the state. California can still obtain GEICO policies in the state, but will only go through a computer or mobile service, posing a challenge for those who are not technologically proficient. California has a strong insurance market, more than 130 companies competing for consumers, private passenger, auto business, and uh, more. Then uh, 70 companies writing homeowners insurance. The California Department of Insurance said, we encourage consumers to look at their options for coverage in California competitive marketplace. So now, why did Geico leave? Geico's name is not a small name. They're everywhere. Branding, they're commercial, they're gecko. They've made some of the funniest commercials. What are you doing leaving the state of California? You're in the insurance business. Why do you think this is happening? I have zero clue why Geico trying to do this. All I know is that a lot of companies are cutting staff these days. We've seen that Robinhood just cut a bunch of staff. Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg has come out and said his staff. There's something going on in uh, in California, though. That's for sure. Is that where you're going with this? Yeah. I mean, listen, it, it, the question. This is this is what's unique about this article. It didn't say Geico is shutting down 78 offices nationwide. Okay. It says they're shutting down all. Of their offices in one specific state. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Why are you only closing all of your offices? It didn't even say they're closing 38 of their 92 offices in the state of California. It's saying they're closing all 38 of office offices in California. Is the climate bad in California? Mm-hmm. Are you choosing to leave? Is the regulation just not worth it? Are the taxes just not worth it? Is the cost per lead you're getting that you have to pay the commission for the agents to make money for the lease you're paying for the building to get the customer support to be there and then have to go through the loopholes that the state of California offers just not worth it? I don't know. But this story, that title right there says a lot. Geico has closed all 38 of its locations in California. Mm. Does not say any other state and doesn't say a percentage of their offices. Mm-hmm. It says all. That makes you think. Tom, what do you think? I think it's a business environment in California because Geico is not leaving. Geico is continuing to service and to sell to consumers in the seventh largest economy in the world, California. <laughs> so they're not leaving. They're not leaving. They're just saying... It is hard to do business here in California. What a, and you know what? I think it could be a combination of or all the reasons Pat just said. And they're like, you know what? We're out of here. But also, I take a look through the between the lines really quickly. Hundreds of employees will no longer sell insurance through telephone agents in the state. Could it be that finding that that being able to pay people to be a tele 
phone agent in California does not match with the cost of living in California. Maybe they can't find enough of these agents. I don't know. But what this says to me, hey, we're still going to sell this online, but we're not going to have um, you know offices in California. I think it means the California business climate was was difficult. They still mm-hmm. want the business from the mm-hmm. seventh largest economy with the greatest automobile culture in America. What do they don't want that market? Of course they want that market. Yeah, I think where you're basically saying this is a metaphor for why you left California. You're in the insurance business here. Is this? I mean, I'm I'm reading between the tea leaves here. Actually, there was a reason yeah. you left California. You know, a lot of reading because between of the, the lines and reading the tea leaves. Yeah, but anyway. b- both of those things <laughs> between between the lines and uh, smoking some tea leaves. The um, <laughs> speaking there of must California. be a, there must be exactly there must be a reason. Yeah, but we didn't do this. Taxes regulation is ultimately why you left what, California. What, but what I'm trying to say to you is we didn't leave California. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, if if I the, the, uh, you're you know, saying that California left you? No, no. He's saying we no, are I'm permanently saying, shut down and yeah. can't write new policies in California. An agent told the reporter on Thursday. So an agent who worked for Geico, that's 38 mm-hmm. offices. I don't know how many hundreds of agents. But an agent said, I can't no longer sell Geico in the state of California. That's like PHP saying, hey, to all the people that are in California, you can no longer sell in California. Why would a company this size shut down a state that's the sixth or seventh largest economy in the world? Why would you do it? That's what I'm interested in knowing. Mm. Because there there is a, uh, uh, you know, like uh, the uh, 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 note came out. Shakira's getting a divorce. Her and her husband getting a divorce. Remember that? Yeah. And then a month later, the story comes out and says what? Taxes. The guy cheated Eight on years him. going to jail for uh, taxes. Okay? So you're like, oh, what happened there? Okay? You know, because if you're married, you got tax issues. Who's linked to the tax issues if you're married? Both of you. If you're divorced, is it? You, so you don't know. Maybe we're not going to know why Geico left California. All I'm saying is, why is a company... As big and pro- you know who owns Geico? You know who's the biggest Berkshire shareholder in Geico? Hathaway. It's Buffett. Buffett. So you think Buffett, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I just think there's got to be something going on there with the climate that's mm-hmm. getting somebody like this to say, we're leaving the sixth largest economy. And who it's got to run- get you to think about that. Pat, that's a great point. And who runs to the microphone? The California State Department of Insurance. And it says... Hang on, everything's okay. We encourage consumers to look at their options for coverage in California's competitive marketplace. That's kind of the way that quote that comes Kermit across. the Frog just quoted? <laughs> no, that's, that? that's a freaked out bureaucrat saying, everything's cool in California. We got all these insurance companies. No problem. Yeah, You've got I a agree. lot of choices. You know, they're out there running out there saying everything's cool. Why is the state running out to say all mm. is well when a company moves? The answer is... I think it was the regulatory environment. Yeah. That, that's my gut. What, what's so interesting about all these conversations is they're, they're all really about competition, right? It's, it's, it's competition because this is the same. This is what's happening playing out right now in the USA, especially over the past three years is just competition, right? People migrating and moving to where it makes sense. California is losing people. Florida is gaining people and so on and so forth. And so to me, it's interesting. You know, I, I feel I feel bad for the people who end up kind of just casualty like this. This how many people just lost their jobs from this, right? Like that that sucks. Um, but I do think in the long term with all of this stuff, it's going to be really interesting to see where it all goes. I think we're we're at such a transition point right now in our countries in so many ways. 
And it's scary and it's unnerving and it's freaking a lot of people out in many ways for many different reasons. But I think that in the long term, it's going to be it's going to be interesting just to see where it lands and see where it see where stuff is in 10 years from now. It'll be really interesting. It's to going to be. We'll yeah. see what's going on. But all I know is, you know, this is a, a little bit uh, strange when somebody as big as Geico, mm-hmm. as profitable as Geico, leaves the biggest economy in America. What are you doing? Leaving well, that place. Yeah. It's a very strange move to leave. You got so many potential customers that can no longer be written by agents. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very weird move. And it's terrible for the Department of Insurance. By the way, let's change transition. Let's go okay. into a different topic, Zelensky. Okay, so report came out. Deep mistrust has developed between White House and Zelensky. This is a hot air story. An ominous detail is buried in Tom Friedman's column. This is a guy who had lunch at the White House with Biden less than three months ago. The timing of Pelosi's visit could not be worse. Dear reader, the Ukraine war is not over, and privately, U.S. officials are a lot more concerned about Ukraine's leadership than they are letting on. There is deep mistrust between the White House and President uh, Zelensky of Ukraine, considerably more than has been reported on. And there's a funny business There's funny business going on in Kiev. On July 17, Zelensky fired his country's prosecutor general and the leader of its domestic intelligence agency, the most significant shakeup in his government since the Russian invasion in February. It would be the equivalent of Biden firing Merrick Garland and Bill Burns on the same day. But I have still not seen any reporting that convincingly explains what was that all about. It is as if we don't want to look too closely under the hood in Kiev for fear of what corruption or antics might we might see when we have invested so much there. <laughs> Boy, that's a very well-written article, by the way. That make, makes you makes you think about what's really going on over there. Tyler, I'll go to you first. What do you think is going on with this? I think that the White House is exactly what it says. They're terrified to see that Ukraine is exceptionally corrupt, that it's never been a true democracy, that it's always been an oligarchy, and it's always been exceptionally corrupt. It was, what, the, the third most corrupt country in the world? Like, they rank these things, and it's, it's always been hugely corrupt. And we, we've now sent them, what, $51 billion, $52 billion? And they know they fucked up. They don't want to look. They're but afraid did, of it. But then Ben Stiller says Zelensky's his hero. He flew out there and said, <laughs> "Yeah, oh, my you two hero. did the concert in the subway." This, this, yeah. this thing's been so weird. Zelensky's had Russian uh, assassins after him since the war started, but he can do his his shoot with Vogue. You've got people going to the beach. It's I mean, it's it, it's weird, man. It's one reason why I, I've, I've been very silent since this whole thing kicked off because from the day one, it's just struck me as weird. I I don't get what's going on and. Again, this comes back to a point I was making earlier, which is with this situation and so many others, I think oftentimes people conflate governments with the people, right? So when someone even says, I stand with Ukraine or I support Ukraine, what does that mean? Or if someone has, you know, says they don't like the USA or they don't like Saudi Arabia or whatever it is. And I think it's always a mistake to conflate governments with the people Mm -hmm. of a country. I think anyone who's traveled knows these things are very, very different and that the CCP is not representative of Chinese people in general. The U.S. government absolutely (laughs) is not in, you know, I I think virtually every American, I feel like every American I've met is like, is better than the top people 
in the government and so on. Like, so the notion that the government and the people are the same thing is very messy. So I think with this situation, it's been confusing because, of course, you have all the all the nonsense on social media. But when someone criticizes or is critical of Zelensky or the Ukrainian government or says they're corrupt, right, people automatically jump. Oh, so you're pro Putin, you're pro Russia, right. you don't care about the Ukrainian people. It's like, no, you can totally care about the people who have been killed, injured, displaced from their homes, etc. You can have complete compassion for those people, but you can also recognize, okay, at a governmental level here, there's something weird going on here. You've got that whole Azov battalion in there, and you've got actual neo-Nazis who are fighting in the war. I don't know all the details, but it's messy, and I think people try to really simplify it and just mm -hmm. be like, okay, either you're pro-Russia or you're pro-Ukraine. You're pro and it's Correct. just like, well, what, is, what does that even... What does that even mean? I think we're so quick to label, all right, that Putin's the bad guy, so mm -hmm. those guys must be the good guys. It's, you know, it's, there's a lot of gray areas what you're talking about. There's more mm -hmm. than meets the eye. Everyone wants to label Russia the bad guy, yeah. and then Ukraine's are the good guys. So Zelensky is the face of Ukraine, mm -hmm. you know, good looking young guy, what have you. So he's the good guy. But I think what we're learning is maybe there it's sort of a lesser of two evils thing. Yeah. Russia can be the bad guy, Putin can be the bad guy, but at the same time, Ukraine, Zelensky can still be corrupt, like mm. Tyler was talking about. You so this could be a mob three. war. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's just not it's not a black and white thing. A bad mob that, and a less no. bad mob. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 I, and I don't speak on it too much as well because I'm aware that this stuff has been going on for for decades. These countries mm -hmm. have decades yeah. of of history, and I'm very far. You know, right. there's people who didn't know what Ukraine meant was. Right. Well, Last Pat, year. you remember when we <laughs> we had Oliver Stone here? Yeah. Okay. You remember the conversations there with what he was talking about? Very different perspective. Yes. And like, and it's not this perspective upset. you're going to hear from mainstream media. People for sure. were upset about yeah. what he was saying. So, look, I mean, when the when when this thing, but but the whole thing with timing is what the 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 writer is making you think because mm -hmm. while this is going on, mm -hmm. and what Ukraine is to Russia is what Taiwan is to. China, the yeah. closest correlation, and you go during this time. I don't know. It's kind of a you yeah. know. It's kind of interesting what's going on over here. I, 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 one, one thing I've been thinking about a lot over the last few months, and people have brought this point up. I'm not the only one, but I think on a world level, the USA, certainly from a governmental perspective, is looking weak and incompetent right now. And I think that was massively exemplified by the people have already forgotten about the uh, Afghanistan pull out mm -hmm. last year i mean oh my gosh that was a complete catastrophe and i think that with this you know i don't even want i don't want to be that guy who's i i do wonder i do wonder would all of this have happened under trump would you russia have invaded ukraine would china be making the moves it's making now i doubt it What's it's conjecture i don't know but i think that the usa i think with biden it's looking we i mean you've got dudes in in dresses like in the in the cabinet, you've got diversity hires. Their military is putting out woke ads and whatever. I think if I were in China or I were Russia and I was like some general or so, I'd be looking over the U.S. and being like, okay, okay, right? Don't interrupt your enemy when they're when they're making a mistake, right? Like it's just looking soft and weak. The USA is not looking as strong on national stage, as strong and as competent as it did previously, whether it's under Trump or under Obama or under Bush or so on. And I think that China and Russia are seeing that. And I would assume that's why some of these moves are being made at this point, because the administration is just just, just looking weak. I mean, the president can't string sentences together. 
greatest motivational speaker of all time. So it's, it's you gotta you gotta give credit where credits due. Okay, yeah. we got a couple minutes left. Which story do we want to go into right now with what we got going on? Uh, well, since you're talking, Robin Hood. since we're talking about California, what is going on with all the uh, the drug stuff? Oh, do you want to talk about the drug stuff? Okay, California to fund heroin injection sites in L.A., Oakland, and San Francisco. Okay, what a what a brilliant strategy. So let's cover this one here to see what they're doing there. Uh, a bill passed Monday in the California state legisl- legislature uh, would enable L.A., Oakland, and San Francisco to open heroin injection sites for drug users. The bill would authorize cities and counties to establish safe consumption sites where addicts could use illegal narcotics under supervision, those accessing the hygienic space supervised by trained staff guys, they're trained, could consume pre-obtained drugs. Program staff would be trained to administer an opioid antagonist in the event of an overdose. Under federal law, it is currently a felony to operate a space to distribute or use a controlled substance. President Biden co-authored the federal state statue during his time as a senator. How do you even respond to this, uh, react to this article? Yeah, so you can illegally buy heroin on the corner and then walk into a safe space where they're going to give you a clean needle and a iodine or an alcohol kit mm-hmm. for your point of injection. Okay. And by the way, the um, opioid antagonist uh, in modern parlance, that's like an EpiPen. Like when people mm-hmm. have, uh, like when people have allergies, and you have to carry the EpiPen. Mm-hmm. Like if a child with peanut butter or a bee sting, it's it's a it's a big adult version of that. Oh, you're having a having a oh the guy's having an overdose. Mm-hmm. Hit him with the N- Narcan, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Similar, exactly right. Um, hit him with that. So it just it's shocking to me. It's it's this is really shocking. Why why would we help to perpetuate someone's situation with such a drug like heroin and and bad brown is 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 the hardest to kick you know as they refer to heroin this is what they call their harm so-called harm reduction policies isn't it have you guys read us but where's the methadone helping these people maybe to get off it back to some other place no no i'm I'm, i have you have you guys read uh san francisco no, by, by Schellenberger. Uh, Michael Schellenberger. Have you read that book? I've not read it, but I've I've seen a lot of the stuff. He yeah, does with I, I'd really recommend reading that book because I went to California for the first time in my life in 2019, um, and I was I was shocked by L.A. and San Francisco. I saw stuff in those two cities I'd never seen anywhere else in any city in my entire life. And this is 2019, and stuff in many case, ways has worsened since then. But those places are they're, they're not normal. My mind was blown. I was so confused. I was in San Francisco for a week and I was like interview. I, I was like informally interviewing Uber drivers and everyone just like, what is going on in the city? Why is it? Why is it like this? Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember being out there and I, I was in a park. It was 8 p.m. on a Saturday and there were like 20 people just shooting heroin in the park behind me. Just just casually. I, I was I've, I've never seen that before. Just out there in the open, people are walking past, going out to clubs, going to restaurants and whatever. It's just people doing heroin. I was like, mm-hmm. this is not normal and then I, I was so intrigued by it and i got led to this book and i was reading about it and the history and why the policies are like this and so on so this does not surprise me in the slightest um but it's insane these places I, i've s- described california as a a beautiful place run by complete idiots i think it's run by complete crazy people with no grasp on reality and um it's sad it's sad because san francisco is a beautiful city architecturally yeah. Weather in LA is fantastic. Like these are these are cool places, but the policies are just nuts mm-hmm. on so many levels, and they just keep getting worse. It's almost like they're trying to drive people out. 
And I was so also in, uh, in San Francisco in 2018, 2019. And okay. I was with my girlfriend at the time. And we checked into our hotel. Cool. We got. We were so excited. We drove from L.A., did the, what is it, the 101 highway up in California? Yeah, Did, yeah. did, the, did the drive. Uh, mm-hmm. Big Sur. Have you ever driven through Big Sur? It is ridiculous. Talk about gorgeous. Forget about it. Mm. And then we get to San We're so excited. It's the New York City of the West. You know, it's like, and we get checked in a hotel and we asked the... Um, the bellhop or the uh, the person at the front desk, which way to go? They go, definitely don't walk that way. Yeah. Like, because it's nighttime. Don't go that way. Go this way. Even that way. Long story short, my girlfriend, she's like, dude, we get like, what the fuck is yep. this city? Get yep. me out of yep. here. Yep. I go, we, we're here for four days. Mm-hmm. Let's give it some time. We'll stay up tomorrow. And we went to like Fisherman's Wharf and we and it was actually really nice. Yeah. Uh, but there are parts of it that are absolutely insane fourth world disgusting yeah. like what the hell is happening here yeah and that's the most expensive city to live in, in america yeah. new york and san francisco so it's like there's this ridiculous profound wealth because of the big tech and everything that's gone in silicon valley and then there's just this disgustingness that's happening on the underbelly not even so much the underbelly because it's out it, there it's in the, the streets it's, it's, it's in the yeah. center but yeah. it, it's it's just like this backwards thing and, I, and and on the surface even this story is disgusting all right so i can come in and do heroin professionally what a mature way to do heroin mm. and i've lost some friends to overdose mm. whether it's opioids whether it's you know this kind of crazy stuff and i'm trying to wrap my head around why they would implement policies like this yeah and the only thing that i can really come up with is the fact that well, these people are going to do it anyway. Yeah. So it, if it, it, they're trying to prevent deaths mm-hmm. and overdoses and sharing disgusting needles. And if people are going to do it anyway, mm-hmm. why not allow them to do it in a safe space? Now, I'm not a I'm not an advocate of heroin or <laughs> pills or overdosing, but there must be some methodology to the madness. Yeah, I think it's kind of um, and a lot of people on the you know, kind of far left progressives can have this type of almost like toxic compassion. It's the opposite of tough love. Mm. They're, they're completely opposed to tough, tough love, right? It, it's this, but, but it's to the, you, you ever seen those programs where someone weighs like 600 pounds or 700 and you know, their mom is still feeding and why are you feeding? Cause I, cause I love him. I care yeah. for him, right? Like they're so unwilling to enact anything that is just like, look, you can't do this. So it's so permissive that it ends up being destructive. Yes. Right. And, I actually and that's, fully agree with yeah, you. Yeah. It, it's the same. They've done that, you know, with the shoplifting, right? You know, you can shoplift up to $900 or cause criminal damage up to $900. Um, and it's not a felony, right? Or mm-hmm. the, the way that they have the tents and they're, the people yeah. just injecting or whatever. As long as you're not, you know, physically assaulting someone. But he, here's, just here's what I'm going to ask you guys. I want to yeah. ask you guys this question. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me this policy of, creating a safe space for heroin addicts to go use heroin. I want to hear from who the hell says what an honorable thing to do. Mm -hmm. Like, give me, be the devil's advocate and don't think logically. Okay. Okay. And and go to the person that says that maybe they lost somebody to heroin. Mm -hmm. Or like, who's going to say, man, what a great idea. Mm -hmm. Sell me that. Can you even do that? Mm -hmm. Like, do you understand what I'm asking? Like, I, I, yeah. I think I do. Okay, so I think how do you know, sell that? I think I know how they come from it. I think there's there's two perspectives. There's the number one. This is where I, I'm not. <laughs> this is this is one thing where I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think my the, the libertarian thought process really works on this one. But number one is the whole 
your body, your choice. You're not, you're not hurting it. You're not hurt. As long as you're not hurting anybody else, you should have the right and it should be legal for you to consume whatever you want, put whatever you want into your body. So there's that, there's that libertarian approach of just like, well, that's up to you, has, should have nothing to do with the government, so on. And then there's the more um, progressive side, which I believe they call these productions, uh, sorry, they call these policies harm, harm reduction, which is, as you alluded to, people are going to do this anyway. So it is safer for them to be using clean needles and to have some staff in case they overdose and people who know how to use mm -hmm. Narcan and so on. That is, they're going to do it anyway. So it's better for them to do it in this type of environment. I think it, using the principle of charity, that's those two things combined are how they think. This is not a crime. This is not a crime. This is an addiction. It's an illness. And we need to be kind and compassionate and take care of these so, people. Okay, and that, fine. I think so, that's how they view it. So, okay. Uh, so both, is it fair to say that both Democrats and Republicans have lost people to drugs? Yes. Okay. So whether you're a Democrat or Republican who lost somebody to drugs, if somebody came and said, hey, I'm going to help your kid, would you want me to help your kid, regardless of where you lean politically, I'm going to help your kid by bringing him to my house. It's going to be safe. I'll help him take the heroin, but it's going to be in my house in a safe place and I'll feed him. Is that what you want me to do with your kid? Left, right, middle, doesn't matter what you are politically. Do, 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 so do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Mm -hmm. So you got a kid. True. Hey, Adam, don't worry about it, man. Uh, he's going to be able to do the heroin at my house. It's going to be a safe place. You, you got nothing to worry about. How would you like me if you've lost? Because a lot of these parents... Every one of these people has a parent that's mm. going on through this heroin, and they made a bad mistake, bad association. Someone's in a lot of pain watching their kids yeah. being addicted to drugs. Yes, I've seen parents. It's you can't, we can't do nothing. Like you, you, they can't go to work. You're in the middle of the day. You're working. All you're thinking about is my kid is a freaking addict. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the only thing they're hoping, I just want my baby back. I want my kid mm -hmm. back. Kids whose parents became addicts, siblings whose sibling became an addict, friends whose friend became an addict. What do they want their friend to do? I'll give you the policy that, that's coming to mind to yeah. me that, that I think that we can all relate to. Because I don't know a lot of people that do heroin and are addicted to opioids, but I do know a lot of people that like to drink. Mm -hmm. And I remember in high school, there was a friend who's like, we were going to go drink beers. You know, we were 18, 17 years old. So one of the dads, one of the families was like, look, I know what you guys are going to go do on the weekends. You're going to go drink. You're going to have fun. You're going to get into cars and you're going to go drive drunk. Listen, if you're going to drink beers, I'd rather you hang out in our backyard. Do it safely. I'll make sure that everybody gets home safe. So I'll be the adult in the room mm -hmm. and I'll make sure that you guys are drinking and getting home in a safe space. And there's a part of that that I think is exactly analogous to this. It's like teenagers are going to go have beers anyway. Drought addicts are going to go do heroin anyway. Let's try to implement a safeguard system so people don't fucking die. Well, so we've we've only done this halfway because to your point, the libertarian case, not only would we have the safe injection sites, we would be creating the drugs. It would no longer be dirty heroin. It would be clean, true, honest heroin. Portugal, uh, Portugal did this. They decriminalized heroin, okay? In the 90s, one in 100 people was addicted to heroin. They since decriminalized over the last nearly two decades. The number of heroin users in Portugal has been cut by two-thirds, and drug-related wow. deaths had mm -hmm. plummeted from more than one a day in 1999 to 30 in all of 2016. Wow. It's like one of those things where crazy problems might need crazy solutions. Stuff that mm -hmm. you think on the surface is like, what? You're doing what? 
that might be something that could work. But you know, it's because you know, they decriminalized everything. Yeah, it was, and it was actual, Portugal true, and, yeah. pure heroin, which is yeah. very different than black tar or cocaine cut with fentanyl or any yeah. of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. When it's yeah. actually the true drug, it's very different. And in Portugal, you don't you don't see all the madness you see in L.A. and San Francisco. Uh, do, you know, do you know what I honestly think when it comes to drug policy? Um, this might be controversial to some. I think the only things that work in practice are one or other of the extreme approaches right i think no drugs whatsoever it's yes, illegal the, you'll go to jail if you do it yes or you'll be killed the, or yes, do what the, you want the, ex, the extreme zero tolerance yeah you know death to drug traffickers like or life imprisonment saudi arabia i think yes, I has something saudi like that. arabia yeah. i think countries like uh i think singapore is extreme is, is singapore is extremely yes. straight they, there's some just zero tolerance yes right turkey, that, turkey in the 1970s yes midnight, so in, uh, pra- in, in practice that works Right. In terms of or you do what Air uh, Oregon did and decriminalize all drugs here in the United States. Yes. Or the type of type of Portugal, you know, just OK, we're we're completely not treating this as a criminal issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not you know, it's not it's not criminal. It's, it's not legal in that you can just like walk into the grocery store and, and, and buy cocaine or heroin. But we we do criminalize everything. You have policies and strategies and things in place to reduce the risk that someone's even going to fall into that and so on but the whole type of like halfway war war mm-hmm. on drugs you know where drugs are coming in and people are doing that but then you're you're you're, you're trying to you know locking people up for weed and you're doing it this kind of halfway yeah. approach just is clearly not working interesting mm-hmm. perspective yeah interesting perspective so zuby tell us about your books yeah sure um okay switching branch uh <laughs> so i just released a children's book it's called The Candy Calamity. It's a collaboration with a company in Texas called Brave Books, who put out a new book every single month. Um, and it's all about health and fitness and taking care of your body. In 2019, I wrote my previous book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. That one's for the grown-ups. That one's for the kids. It's a fun story. The whole thing rhymes as a rapper. I had to make sure my first children's book Sick. was going to rhyme. Cool. So the, the whole thing, it's a fun story. Um, it's beautifully illustrated. And it's really, I'd say, for kids maybe between the ages of four and ten, would probably would probably get the most out of it. Um, I think when you look at kids' books, there's there aren't actually that many about health and fitness, nutrition, exercise. Like why 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 is that important? Why is it important to take care of your body? So I'm all about putting positive messages out there, trying to inspire and motivate people of different ages. So that's it. my book. It's available at CandyCalamity.com. Strong advice is available at TeamZuby.com. So, uh, yeah, go check that out. Gang, if you enjoyed Zuby as much as we did today, and it looks like you guys loved having him on today, mm-hmm. uh, go support him by purchasing both of his books. The links are there in the chat room as well as in the chat box as well as uh, in the description. Go get the book. Support Zuby. Zuby, once again, it's always great having you on, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thank yes, you. Safe travels. Thank Take you. care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.